everybody. Welcome to Frame Trap. I will be your host, Ben Moore. Today I'm joined by Mr. Daniel Bloodworth. Hello. And Michael Damiani. How are you guys doing? Doing all right. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> I've been cramming. I didn't get to play either of my games until this morning. So I'm like, ah. <laughs> um, one of the things that I wanted to play for Frame Trap was <laughs> much shorter than I was expecting, mm. which almost never happens. So that's good. Uh, we're recording this on July 3rd, which means tomorrow is the 4th of July. And uh, needless to say, I've never experienced the 4th of July uh, in quarantine before. And I just had this moment where I was like, wait, like, can I even celebrate it? I view 4th of July as like such an outdoor holiday. I don't know if it's something that you guys have thought about or if you have any plans. No plans. It's just, yeah, it's going to be weird. Um, a lot of times, you know, we're back at my uh my wife's uh families in omaha uh, around this time of mm. year you know we've been doing meetups in omaha with eza fans and stuff and celebrating there um but yeah this year just <laughs> basically gonna chill at home like another day yeah yeah I have... trying to remember i definitely have celebrated and gone out and enjoyed fireworks it's been a while though ben um mm. so i don't think i'm too bummed out about it uh but I mean, I definitely understand that there's like the the urge for a lot of people that this is like a typically a time to go out and have fun and it's affecting right. a lot of people. But yeah, on a personal level, it's just I mean, just cognizant of that. And but it's not. I feel like we've just been in this for so long. I'm just it's just beat me down so much that it's just I've accepted that eh, this is like every day. Right. Um, but I, for plans, uh, I'm gonna try and. Uh, stream some more of a game we'll be talking about uh today since i haven't finished it mm -hmm. yet yeah uh, get in a good it's a long one yeah, so i'm hoping to get in a <laughs> yeah. good few hours tomorrow because uh my sessions as of late have only been about three four hours which if you when you we talk about this game you understand it's a long game so that doesn't really make a lot of headway when you're only playing three four hour chunks at a time right um yeah, Damiani, or not, I'm sorry, not Damiani, Bloodworth, you mentioned Omaha. And it's weird because I, I feel like I don't really celebrate 4th of July out in California, not because for any particular reason. It's just I remember growing up and like going to very specific locations in Iowa. And so it's like I associate the holiday with doing those things and being around family. Sure. So if I'm not around family, it's just like, oh, well, why why celebrate it's like when i'm home here for thanksgiving because i don't have any other family out here uh, other than my wife of course and like we just don't know what to do <laughs> for thanksgiving so we just like go get ramen or something and that's great too you know it's its own little tradition but yeah it's just just not quite the same um but speaking of games getting into things uh, blood once again I see this every time you're on frame trap and now I think you're making it a personal mission <laughs> to bring things I've never heard of uh, one of those things is called beyond blue yeah uh, yeah like I said I, I dove into this this morning I wasn't trying to make a pun but I just did uh, it's a diving game uh, educational uh, do you remember uh, what was the name of it uh, never alone which was like about like this uh Inuit society or whatever is like a platformer. Uh, it was, came out like right like that last year of GT or whatever. I think I had played it. Yeah. Was like, was there like a, a little white dog or something? Yeah, I think so. I like only of? have okay. vague memories of it anyways. But it's from okay. that same uh, that same team. 
So it's like educational diving game, uh, really relaxing, really slow paced, really nice thing to be getting into after uh, playing The Last of Us and all that intensity. Yeah. Just chill out, swim around, scan fish. Um, uh, it's funny that you say that because today I dove in to the uh, New Horizons diving as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. I haven't got to try and it, it yet. It kind of feels the same way where it's like, okay, you know, I'm totally okay just hitting that seafloor, getting scallops, talking to Pascal. It seems nice. <laughs> And uh, yeah, it the one little nitpick I had, and and this nitpick I've I've picked up on like ever since uh, what was it the second Tomb Raider game in the new trilogy uh, when mm. Lara had the rebreather and like oh, oh yeah, yeah I remember yeah, this yeah. you brought this up the blood yeah. rebreather drama man <laughs> yeah. and like here it is again it's like you know she, like like as soon as you start swimming like she's like oh yeah this rebreather is awesome and I'm like no. <laughs> Because it's like she doesn't have any kind of pack on or anything. And like a rebreather kit is like as big or bigger than like a regular scuba kit, you know, because it's got to filter all the air, you know, and like the main advantage is it just like prevents bubbles from disturbing wildlife and stuff. Um, but it's a whole other thing that you have to learn and train for. So you don't just like pick mm-hmm. one up for one. And number two, it's not just like this fun little tube that you stick in your mouth. Uh, and there is some company that's like made some headlines by like showing this kind of thing that looks sort of like a james bond device but it's like it's so far out there and it's like so kind of mysterious that there's like a lot of skepticism that they'll even have this thing working in 10 years you know so it's just it's funny to be like people like oh no they exist i'm like no (laughs) not really blood (laughs) blood if uh if this easy allies thing doesn't work out, I think I want you to become like a video game rebreather consultant. <laughs> like that's you just come in to to make sure this shit makes sense. But actually, one of the funny things about this game though is it is like it is making me like seriously like wonder. It's like, hmm, at some point should I like move on to like be a marine biologist or like work in an aquarium oh. or something? Is that like a? I didn't know that was a passion of yours. I didn't know you felt that strongly. Um, I definitely like took oceanography classes and stuff like later in nice. high school electives. Um, but it is, yeah, it's interesting because like you are part of a research team and you are studying um, specifically out there to study the sperm whale pod. Um, and what's interesting, like kind of pair sperm whale. Oh, you're breaking up there a little oh. bit. You're okay. Now. Okay. Okay. Uh, what was interesting is they kind of created like this parallel between like sperm whale families and the main character's family. Cause she talks mm. about how her grandmother taught her to free dive and stuff like that in the intro. And then pretty early on, you learn about how, uh, sperm whales, like they're like a matriarchy. was like, there's a grandmother that kind of leads and, uh, males kind of go off on their own. And so it's just like these female family groups. Um, so it was interesting to kind of have that. And, th- and that's another side of it too, to where like between dives, you're back on your sub and you kind of call and talk to the other researchers, but you also call to talk to your sister and check in on how like treatment is going with, uh, your grandmother and how she's doing. Hmm. Um, so there's like, this, there's that dual side of it. And then the other thing that's kind of interesting is that, uh, you actually unlock, um, these, uh, like mini documentaries uh from bbc from like uh they're like maybe a a minute to three minutes long each on some of them are like focused on specific 
people, but specific biologists. Other things are focused on like sperm whales themselves, like I said. Uh, and it looks like there might be like 20 of these videos by the time you get done with it. Wow. So when you say like mini documentary, how, how long are these things? As I say, they're like between like one and a half to like three minutes long so far, each one. Okay. Okay. Neat. So as somebody who's taken classes on this stuff, because th- this is not an area of expertise for me in any way, do you feel like you're constantly learning things? Yeah, I, I, it's interesting because part of it is, you know, that like things continue to develop as well, right? So like there's new information to learn because when people go on these dives, like a lot of the times like they're intentionally trying to find animals that nobody else has seen before. Uh, and so the one little tidbit I caught on this that I didn't know anyone could do or was doing is uh, there's like, have you ever heard of like the term like marine snow where there's just like, not, okay, no. so like basically like organic matter from like dead fish or whales or whatever, just kind of like falling through the ocean, right? And then different creatures okay. feed on it, you know, at all different levels, you know, scavengers pick it up off the ground and that kind of thing. This is kind of a dumb question, mm-hmm. but is it pretty like falling snow is? Like, is it kind of cool to see this occur underwater or? It's kind of that effect where, you know, like okay. it just looks like, you know, it's like specks or like dust, but it's, you know, it's all just organic matter. But what they're saying is that now they're able to like collect some of those like skin cells and whatever else, like just from the water, analyze the DNA. And it's like, okay, like there's been a whale shark in this area, like recently or whatever. It's like, oh, you can do that. Like almost like a dog tracking a scent. It's so it's kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know, like how much time that you know that that effect you know like how 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 well they actually able to like follow up on that but it's yeah it's an interesting thing that i didn't know about uh so i'm gonna make a, a weird comparison here but um when stadia originally came out uh there was not that much to play on it. And one of the things was farming simulator okay. <laughs> and <laughs> i don't really have uh, much interest in farming outside of like very video gamey farming, like something like a rune factory or like a kind of like an animal crossing or something like that. But anyway, um, I think you might be getting this mixed up with the, the, my next game. Cause this, as far as I know, is not, no, 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 no. I, I'll, I'll get to okay, this. Okay. I'll get to this point. <laughs> it's, it's a, <laughs> it's a protracted point. But, uh, when I played farm simulator or tried to play farm simulator, it was just like, I think it assumed a level of knowledge that I didn't have and I just like couldn't get anywhere. It was just too much. Mm. Do you feel like, you know, if you, I I think sometimes diving into games that discuss real world topics can be intimidating. If you feel like you're not familiar with the field, that's the point that I'm trying to make. Do you, do you think the story kind of about the sickness that is happening on top of, you know, the information that you're uncovering is a nice balance where kind of anybody could get into this, or do you think you need to kind of have uh, an innate interest in sea life to really enjoy it? Um, I think you definitely need to have an interest in, in sea life for sure. Um, mm. But I think it is like, it's pretty simple in, in terms of gameplay is like swimming around is not difficult or complicated. Uh, and then, you know, you're essentially just pulling up like a scanner uh, and focusing on, you know, 
fish that you haven't scanned yet and holding a button, scanning them in. And then as you scan that same type of fish multiple times, then you'll get like additional pages uh, with more information about it. Uh, when you go back to the sub, uh, there's actually like a like a model viewer, like a little hologram thing in, a, in one of mm -hmm. the areas. Uh, and you can basically unlock like different animations, different behaviors, again, by scanning mm -hmm. more of those things. And so mechanically, that can get like a little bit tiresome when you're dealing with things that you've already scanned before, almost like how like, sure. you know, Metroid Prime is like, it's cool to scan certain things because you get the story, but then other times you're scanning things because, oh, it's there and I haven't scanned it. So right. I feel like I get a little bit of that, uh, but it's still cool to be swimming through an area and, you know, catch on to things. And and there is like also like a very defined mission structure as well. So you're not just out there, you know, just lost on your own. So basically there are these acoustic uh, devices tied to buoys. And so you go up to them and then you can kind of scan for sounds like whale songs. Uh, and, and then you like, basically like tag that as a waypoint. And then mm -hmm. once you've tagged all the waypoints from that scanner, you can go swim out to each of those different uh, pods of animals or schools of fish or whatever. Uh, and so that's one thing that's kind of cool too, is that they've really like taken a lot of those uh, real world sounds uh, that the, the whales and dolphins particularly make. Uh, and so you hear a lot of that as you get close to them. Uh, and the, the, the sperm whales, I feel like maybe they should have done a little bit more treatment on to like make that more palatable to your ears because the hmm. first couple of times I hear it like wearing headphones it's like oh this is harsh it actually feels like yeah. it hurts my ear a little bit True. um but you know there's there's also kind of a kind of the way that they sort of contextualize them explaining things to you is that your character is doing these live streams as well so it makes sense that she is walking you through these things that she and her colleagues would know about. Blood, <laughs> this is not fair to be on blue, but I've been playing a lot of Borderlands 3 Oh, recently, yeah, for sure. And the fact that the, the villains are terrible and the fact that they are live streamers, like I, I think you could have done it in an interesting way, but it's just so forced and awkward uh yeah no no i don't like if you're gonna do that try to make it less embarrassing i guess um yeah, i don't feel like it, while, i don't feel like it's just anything like that like they're not trying sure I mean, they like they'll do like a little like at the end like when they quote unquote end the stream you know they'll say like the like comment and subscribe or whatever oh god oh, but god. it's like that hasn't been the whole thing either like i think that it was really sure. just you know again to get you some of that baseline information in a way that made sense. Uh, Blood, <laughs> you mentioned model viewer, mm -hmm. uh, and you just got me thinking about how in, in, you know, a good number of games, that's something that you can unlock where it's like, you can take enemies or bosses or player characters and just kind of view them and rotate them around. And I think that's neat. Um, when there's like lore attached to it, or you, you learn something about it. But so many times, like, I, I forget that it's there, but they keep including model viewers in games. And I just want to ask the panel, like, do you guys ever get anything out of that kind of feature? Or, like... It, 
art galleries where like you've already seen the art that they're having you unlock? I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. It's, it's usually specific things. I'd be curious in this game, Blood, um, if there's anything related to uh, the biology aspect where you need to like identify a part of one of these creatures and by using the model viewer, do they ever like say like, hey, mm. you need to like tag this uh, on this fin or something because it's like where it's the safest. So like be familiar with that. Do they do anything like that where the model viewer might inform your mission that you have, like some prep work you might need to do or anything like that? I don't think I've seen anything like tied to the model viewer. Okay. In, on that line you do have to um use like this little submersible drone to kind of scan and tag animals sometimes or um, they have like these uh little beacons there's one mission where like you put these beacons around some groups of starfish that are invasive so that they can come back later and like remove the invasive species um, and there's actually like um there's actually like a little bit of a mystery uh toward like they're hearing like this this noise that they think is coming from like some deep sea mining equipment, uh, mm -hmm. but they don't think that that should be happening in the area because it's a research area. And so, like, hmm. so like dive by dive, we're kind of getting a little bit of that as well. Uh, to before I ask something about that, but to answer your question, Ben, though, for 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 hmm. me, uh, very yeah. specific instances like uh, the the trophies in Smash Brothers. When people yeah. are like, I've never seen the back of, of this character before. What's what does it say back there? Right. So that type of stuff for you know like the the the, the curiosity element of that. But when it actually informs gameplay, I I'm having a hard time coming up with models serving that function. And especially like artworks, mm -hmm. like I'll skim through it, like oh these are cool, mm -hmm. but I mean you'll move on from that. I feel like it's it's nice bonuses, but I think I would appreciate them more if maybe they were worked into the the game somehow that'd be kind of a neat feature um but uh blood uh i'm, I'm sorry if i didn't catch this because I, I was reading trying to like read up on this a little bit as you were describing it uh they, they say so is this are you actually exploring actual earth or is it like like is it like a, a like something based on earth like do you go to real locations with your with your your main character and your science team or do you is it just something they had to craft on their own that's based on the real world with real life, uh, you know, creatures because maybe licensing issues or something like that? Um, it's it's definitely based on the real world, but I don't think it's like an act like it's not like a mapped like actual reef or anything like that. You know, like it's but it's all like real world creatures, real world situation, you know, and, you know, I think it's a little bit on the futuristic side. Uh, on, okay. on certain things, um, uh, especially like in like the design of her suit and her fins and the submarine, you know, it feels like it's, you know, maybe something that you would see like 10 or 15 years in the future. But at the same time, like it is still pretty grounded, I think. I gotcha. My when playing underwater segments in games or even like before this endless ocean, you know, mm -hmm. uh, on, on the Wii and stuff like seeing stuff like that, the, the always thing I get hesitant about with uh, underwater segments, underwater environmental designs is like water, it's hard to see very far a lot of times. It gets like murky and yeah. I'm curious, the reason I asked them real, if it was based on real world areas because you know there are some very beautiful locations like coral reefs and like Australia and stuff like that. If, do you feel like there's like some more like variety in that level of detail in the environments or do you feel it's a little 
more samey looking for lack of better words, but it, because it focuses so much on like the science educational aspect. Yes, yeah, so far, you know, I'm still, I guess, kind of early in, so it's hard to say how much variety there'll be overall. Um, I've only been to two locations, which like one is uh, a reef, uh, which actually did have quite a bit going on. You know, there's, you know, different types of whales. There were uh, dolphins that were kind of like rubbing themselves up against the coral to, you know, mm-hmm. it's like using it as like antibacterial or something like that, uh, that they were studying. Um, That's always the worst feeling on frame trap when, you know, you, it, it's just where you are yeah. in the game. You're early on. And so you're like, well, yeah, maybe. <laughs> and then like the next day yeah. you play some more and you're like, oh, I wish I could That's, have inserted yeah. that That's like into the episode. They just yeah, the, the, yeah, the second area was just more open ocean. And so there's like sunfish and hammerhead sharks and things like that. Nice. Yeah, they name drop like you said in BBC and they name drop like Blue Planet too. And like watching those things, like the ocean's freaking amazing. Like so beautiful. Man, I gotta watch. So I'm like, That's I would stuff. love to experience that in a game form as well. So I was kind of like getting interested as you were talking about this, like, well, is it does it have that variety? I mean, it still sounds like it's really cool in terms of if you're interested in learning more about marine biology. Um just to jump back to the model viewer question real quick. Uh, I wonder if there are like specific groups of people where something like that is extremely valuable. Mm. Like, I wonder if cosplayers see a model viewer and they're like, Oh, yes. thank God. Right. Uh, I can actually tell you and, that is, that is yeah. <laughs> because for us, it, it so rarely happens, but when it does, it is a godsend because we have to capture music to put in to reviews. And so if there's any sort of like, sound test or like jukebox or whatever it is a lifesaver so you don't have to like try to awkwardly make the song happen that you want <laughs> to capture in the game uh it could be yeah, yeah could be those are the best bonus. bonus features like yeah like, yes. Like, yeah, yes you unlock the soundtrack i was like all right here we go yeah uh, music capture is done uh but yeah no i remember back uh, uh twilight princess came out people were trying to find uh, model rippers to do like get to view the characters because there are a lot of people who wanted to do Minna cosplay and stuff. Oh, I remember sure, that yeah. being in, in Zant. I remember that being a big deal when that came out and seeing like the T pose models starting to pop up on like fan sites and everything. I was like, Oh wow. Well, yeah. It, it, like, especially like, a. uh, like artist sketches and stuff like they a lot of them now do with the art books they'll show like the clothing design they'll like take notes and circle and highlight certain parts like we use this material they're very mm. cognizant i think now about the the cosplay scene and they do a a, a better job of helping them out with that nice yeah. um another thing that i wanted to touch on which i think was kind of interesting is you know like you're saying there sometimes you have these kind of phone calls between different characters or whatever and uh, one of the early conversations, I remember there being like three or four different options. And seeing that, like I was thinking of it in a way like almost like a Bethesda game or something to where like you're just like going to exhaust all this dialogue and, you know, and then move on. But it wasn't that at all. Like you like I picked one of those options and that's what we talked about. And then the conversation kept moving. So it wasn't like one of these things where you just talk and talk and talk forever. It's like, OK, you, you can react this way. And that's how you've reacted, and this, you know, things will go on from there. And if you want to hmm. see other parts of this conversation, you need to do a, another playthrough. But it's kind of felt that was interesting, rather than just like yeah. returning to the well and just like making dialogue endless, almost. Yeah. This is definitely a me thing, so not not necessarily a criticism of the game, but uh, sometimes 
the moments in games where I'm like, oh, I didn't know that this dialogue option would propel me forward because I want I had more questions about this other thing, and I just it drives me up a wall because like when you get in that headspace of where you're like, okay, I want to know everything, and you miss out on a crucial bit, it's it can be. But what's interesting was you know the sister like actually reacted to that too. To mm. like I, you asked about some other things like. You didn't want to know like how I'm doing in school or whatever, you know. <laughs> right. So yeah. That's funny. I, I think it's an interesting way to go. And and you know, like I said, it's been a long time since I played Never Alone. I just remember feeling like I appreciated what they were doing with that game, but the game aspect of it was very rough to me. Uh, mm. and not like enjoyable to play from that standpoint. Whereas this I feel like it's a lot smoother to where like even if some things might be repetitive, um, I, I'm enjoying what I'm doing and I'm just like really just being able to bask in it. It sounds like simplicity definitely works in its favor. Yeah. For sure. Um, Damiani, Yo. I'm very excited to have you talk about this because you've been streaming it. Uh, it's a game that that means a lot to you and it's a game that I also very much enjoy. Uh, how are you feeling about Xenoblade Chronicle Definitive Edition? Oh. I am. <laughs> there we go. That's, I think that's everything you need to yeah. know is that uh, I'm having so much fun going through this game again. Uh, it, it's yeah. nice to be able to take it at a, a slower pace because when I originally played through this game, I was just so enthralled with it. I, I just couldn't put it down. I I marathon playing this game back in the day. And uh, that was the like it was a, a very good experience. But. I didn't want to go through it that way again. I'm like, no, I'm going to savor this. I'm really going to take my time. Um, There's a game about taking a knee, just embracing these massive environments and, and, and taking in all the sights and, and, and playing at your own pace really, I think is the, the best way to say it. And it's, 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 it's interesting because there's so much about this game. I still love, I still think this game does a lot of things much better than most other games. So in some areas, excels probably as one of the best games to do stuff like this, especially the scale of the environments, but it's also mm. made me reevaluate some of the parts of the game a little bit more critically, most notably the battle system. Mm. Uh, I've mm. had a lot of thoughts and it's not that it's bad. I actually really like this battle system. It's just I've been exposed to so many games since Xenoblade Chronicles. They have so many thoughts on where they could go with the battle system, including what they've already right. done in the sequels and stuff. But as other games have come, just ways to do things better in in, in this in for future entries. Should they make a Xenoblade Chronicles three, which I really hope they do. <laughs> I definitely wish it in the definitive edition that like i'd be curious to see a take on this game where you can freely switch between party members um because it it just feels so limiting i think in combat to to only be stuck with one set of skills and you can kind of work around that a little bit uh through like the warning system and stuff but uh it's also frustrating like sometimes having to rely on the ai and just watching them do something stupid and and not really having uh the kind of direct control that you want exactly and there are there are points where like even the ai itself is as you said is not the best uh more recently Mm -hmm. one of my sessions uh dunbun had uh aggro and uh was turning the boss to face me and Ricky with a giant hyper beam attack was about to, it was like, I was like, we were trying yeah. to run, I'm like running away and it kept turning it. I was like, no, 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 stop, take the attack. Like don't face it towards <laughs> us. But you can't do anything about that. It's also got to deal with it. But as you said, Ben, yes, being able to control, having more direct control over your other party members actions, I think is the number one complaint. Uh, I, 
or a thing I'd like to see uh, addressed going forward. Uh, they, they have addressed it in, uh, in, in Xenoblade Chronicles 2, and I, I, told, I haven't played it yet, but I told Torna does an even better job uh, with, with that. Yeah. And, oh, man, I'd, I'd be super And I've been to told, Ben, and uh, I, I've been told by my stream, because I keep championing that, that the developers at Monolith Soft may take a look at Final Seven Remake's battle system, because I think it's such yeah. a beautiful battle system for controlling multiple party members in real yeah. time. Totally. But letting you have mm -hmm. that slowdown uh, mechanic to allow you to think and process and use, like, actually into yeah. the strategy, which I think is important in this game and, and useful. And they were, my chat was all saying, well, they could also blend that with some of Torna's battle system and somewhere in between would probably be a really good battle system for a future Xenoblade game. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I think it's easy to kind of get hung up on, on some of that stuff. Uh, be, for me, at least, because the quality of life improvements that they do add feel very substantial. Yes. Are, are you kind of... Uh, feeling the same thing because when I initially played through Xenoblade I, I just wasn't having a good time doing the side quests and I still think the side quests need work but I just because they made them easier to get accomplished I was having a much better time yeah there, there's so many different things I did adding the ability to track manually like switch from like your primary yeah. quest to a secondary quest if you want and then cycling through them they made it a lot easier to track that type of stuff with the side quest as you said Ben there's definitely still some problems with the the quest system and I, I wouldn't say it's necessarily the quest system so much as the the variety of quest I don't there's always going to be the ones there's always like one or two or three NPCs I'll give you kill these monsters in this zone which is good because Encourage right. you, a lot of the quests encourage you to go out into the zone and explore it. For but sure. But then you come across ones where they have like, they're like 10 steps long or, or 10 parts long, and they keep you in the same zone long after you feel like you should have moved around. The, in the, the in the swamp area, there's a no-pawn in a cave, one of the more infamous ones uh, that you have to keep going back to several times. And I felt like I'd moved, like I'm ready to move on from the zone. Like I, I wish sure. they could have maybe done a better job of having the foresight or at least getting some feedback smell from their internal teams. Do no one enough was enough to maybe let's, if you're gonna continue this line, that's, that's totally fine. You can have multi-part quests that you have to come keep going back to, but maybe push the player to the next zone and continue it over there or something. I, 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 mm -hmm. I feel like they could have done a better job with that at the very least with that system. But yes, quality of life stuff, uh, having better indicators, um, for 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 break for topple for days and seeing those bars up there eat more easily for how long they're gonna last when they actually succeed and then like all the menu clutter kind of being like refined uh, yes they, they they definitely did a lot oh, more improvement God. with that it's not perfect there are like right. it still takes one too many steps an example I hate to bring up Bob same remake again as an example of doing <laughs> it better but when you change out mm -hmm. gear. There is a way to swap your gems. You basically have materia in this game, essentially. It's not very similar. And when you change a piece of gear, it won't automatically ask you, do you want to swap this? You have to, yes. You can, before you swap gear, you can go manually to that piece of gear, hit the plus button, and then choose an option, swap with current gear's gems, and it will swap them. Right. This is one too many steps when a, a system already exists where it's like, just and ask you. Yeah, I believe you can also just like remove all gems mm -hmm. from stuff, but you're right, it doesn't have that that sort of convenience of automatically swapping things over. It's like it's definitely they did a lot of things right. They did a lot of things to improve it. It's definitely I, I always will prefer to play this version over the original, but as you saw, yeah. like they didn't 
for whatever reason, uh, uh, where they want to keep the game a little bit still like authentic to the original experience and not depart too radically from it, there are definitely systems out there that have demonstrated uh, that there are, there's a little bit more they can do with the quality of life aspect. And another one, I don't mm-hmm. know if you'll agree with me on this one, uh, Being you, they added a way to glamour, uh, to transmog your yeah. gear, mm-hmm. basically, mm-hmm. so you don't yeah. look all mm-hmm. goofy when you're trying to have the best gear that you have, which I love that. But you can't like save loadouts of that. Like, there's not like gear set mm, right. saves or anything yeah, that, yeah. which is like right. such a common feature of like so many right. modern games. And I'm just like, oof, they, if they do this again, please add something like that. The small things like that here and there that I was noticing, but it was kind of fun to notice <laughs> that because it made me so excited yeah. about the future for for the, for the series. Yeah, that's a really good point. It, it, that's funny because that reminds me of Animal Crossing, where like. They'll do a quality of life aspect in one area, and it's like, wait, what? Why don't you do it over here too? Like, it just, it's, <laughs> sometimes it's surprising. Like, where they'll 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 get there, but not all the way. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, Damiani, I want to talk to you about the story mm, sure. um, because I'm somebody outside of like special exceptions, you know, movies that I just absolutely adore. A lot of times I only watch a movie once because once I know the story, I feel like a lot of the enjoyment is taken away from me. Uh, where a a lot of times, like I, I get most into, uh, kind of uncovering the mystery again. And with Xenoblade, it could just be because I, I streamed it. And so just being able to play it on my own, completely focused on it, uh, resonated with me. But, I just love the way that that story kind of unfurls and and how it builds and builds and builds and builds and where it eventually ends up going. Um, And it's just such a a fascinating mystery to me. Did you feel that way uh, going through it again? Yeah. Or how did you feel? I I, I still really love how this game opens up and how this game continues for the most part through. I I just got to the start of Mechonis on my, on this playthrough, but I've obviously played through the game. I, 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 I like up to that point, I can definitely say like the replay, it still feels really good. I think the beauty of it and why I think I enjoy it so much is because it doesn't, it dangles mysteries in front of you and when they reveal stuff they add a little bit more to the mystery but nothing gets too convoluted for the for for, for yeah. at least 40 hours of the game that i played through so far they don't spring on anything on anything on you that this feels too convoluted it doesn't feel like you have to keep track of too many things they they, they do a really good job even with the the increasing cast of characters you get to I think they do a nice enough job of focusing on a more immediate story, like your more immediate objective while the mystery of the world, because the world itself is such a unique world, like living on top of a living giant being. And then you have this other creature next to it that these, the, uh, the mechons live on these mechanical creatures who attack you for no reason. You don't understand why other than you think you're just trying to kill you and how the world works, how the Monado works. Like it's, it's, it's just, I think it all complements each, uh, each element complements the overall game and story so well. I, I, yeah. I think they got it just right. Was it compared to something like Xenoblade Two? I think it had a little bit more of a rough time for for me personally through some of that game. It had uh, the beats mm-hmm. didn't hit as well as they do with the first game. Um, and obviously, I won't say any spoilers, but I do. I will say I do think Two's finish is much stronger than One's from what I remember. But yeah, I'm loving. Mm-hmm. I'm loving what they do in this game. I love this pace. I love how I feel like each environment I, I'm in, I'm learning new stuff, and, and, and the, the narrative is complementing everything I'm doing in the game, and it doesn't feel like I'm ever lost. 
Yeah, I, I to, to kind of just echo what you said, it, it, it has a lot of kind of mythology and world building to uncover, but it never seems like it gets so lost in the weeds with that that it loses track of its characters. And regardless of what's going on, the the party is growing together in in one way or another, you know, kind of yes. you know, working through hardship or or like dealing with something with the past. Um, and something that I really like about the definitive edition specifically, and I'm excited for you to see it. I don't want to spoil anything, but something that I really like about Xenoblade Chronicles is everyone in your party feels like they have a very convincing reason to be there in the fight, yeah. right? And uh, that that they're all they're all they have a very personal interest in getting to the end of the story and some of the characters that i think maybe aren't fleshed out as much for as long a period of time kind of come back into play in future connected and it feels like you kind of like plug some holes there and so it, it kind of retroactively makes those characters uh stand out even more than they do in the main game like like Ricky in particular, the way the way you kind of learn about him in Future Connected, I think is, it, it's not like crazy, it's not like a ton, but it's just a little bit to. to That's kind of nice to that hear character. because yeah, like Ricky, like I, I mean, I think it'll be hard pressed to find people who actually actively hate or dislike Ricky. Uh, but right. like his story when you meet him in the Nopon Village is that he is like amassed a bunch of debts and like the village elders like. You're going to go right. be the, you've been voted the hero pawn. So you're going to go help these people to pay off your debt, essentially. But in terms of like their personality, I, I think you do see them kind of grow a little bit by being exposed to the, the, the homes, essentially the humans and then see right. more of the world. Like, I think that's like everyone's, a lot of the characters perspectives is like you get, they get to see other parts of the world, even Malia, um, yeah. high Entia, this, this race that's like, a little bit more like regal. They know a little bit more about how the world works than like the lowly homes who live on the lower parts. Like even her being exposed to more of the world and stuff, as you see, she's generally curious. She's like, they, they actually, as you said, the reason for being there, it's very well established. And I think they do a good enough job of like advancing characters enough and then bringing in the new characters and letting them have their moment to breathe and develop. And and I, I really like how they do. It. I really like the dynamic of the characters in this game. Um, Definitely. yeah, I, I really enjoy it, Ben. Uh, blood. I, sometimes I wonder this, uh, with certain allies. And I think, I think unfortunately you fall into this category a lot where like, I know you like Xenoblade Chronicles a lot. And, you know, I did the review for the definitive edition and Damiani streaming definitive edition. And like, I'm sure you would love to play <laughs> it if you could, but it's just so monstrously long you know, and you've got you've got a ton of things to focus on. Does I guess does that affect you at all? Or are you just kind of like I? You know, now is not the time. Yeah, I just I guess yeah. I, I'm just trying to like deal with like more immediate things that I'm wanting to get to, sure. and, and so like yeah, Xenoblade is something that like I've thought about. You know, maybe jumping in and and replaying that, um, or mm. maybe even just doing Future Connected. I'm not sure like how well that would work to you know hop in five or six years later but um but yeah i i definitely feel like in some ways like i almost feel like i should i should get it just so that like if i ever do want to replay it like i've got this version to go on because it is such a big improvement over the wii version um but you know i definitely like agree with like a lot of the things that you guys are saying you know the the maybe like maybe one of the things that i i 
I think goes along with a side quest that can be a little bit of a detractor is that along with every other uh, part of this game, like some of the towns can be just like, really huge. Oh, and yeah. so like if you're trying to be a completionist or whatever, like talk to every NPC is the old RPG guides always told you to always do. Uh, it can be very intimidating, especially like when you're up in uh, uh, the Antia area. Oh, Alchemoth? Yeah, yeah, Alchemoth. Yeah, that place, like just walking around those plazas is gigantic. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have the day and night cycle to deal with and there all you of go. that. Yeah. So the times, man. Like having to like track embassies with time is still one of the. Or like this creature only spawns during a thunderstorm. Right. <laughs> Good luck. Keep changing that so time. You, yeah, you, yeah, at least they gave you the option to change the time. Right, they didn't go right. full MMO with that, which I still appreciate. But at the same time, just the tediousness of that is apparent. You know, they 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 know what they were doing, and I can totally understand people getting easily overwhelmed by the size and how many things are thrown at them in terms of quests. Like, wait, what? I, uh, like, you just some people just get lost. Like, where do I go? What do I do? And like, I think that's the thing is maybe to take a breath and like do what you want. Like you don't have mm. to go do this. You can do this, and like you can come back to this later. You don't have to worry about it. Uh, I, I think that's part of the. I think it does. Maybe it doesn't do enough job convincing you that's how it works, but it is from someone who's played it. I'm t- I, that's my testament is that it it does like allow that, it, and it's very nice. It does. Um, um, blood. You mentioned like old RPG guides, and you made me think like something. Like I, I feel like. Text-based guides are, are less relevant now than they were. Like GameFAQs guides are, are a little bit less relevant now than they were. Not that they're not useful, they are. But in the age of YouTube, when you can actually just like, if you're stuck on something, you can actually see somebody going through mm-hmm. it. Because um, I miss some of the attitude like old GameFAQs guys would have where like, like for RPGs, they'd be like, well, I already told you about this, so you should be fine, winky face. Or like, oh, it's not like... <laughs> There's so many GameFAQs guides that are like, yeah, it's really not a big deal, so I don't have much to say here. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> I, I miss that kind of uh, that 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 personality, right. I guess, of of like those individual user guides. I guess I don't know. Yeah, well, what would be Something funny too sometimes um, that you would run into is I, you know, people would write guides in a way as to not spoil plot points. But then as you're going through them, trying to figure out where you're at, you, you're just so lost because everything is just like such like description of like, go from this place to that place to that place. And like, where, right. where what part am I in? Like, where actually am I in this map right, right now? <laughs> Which is, oh. yeah, I mean, this game with its giant environments, I mean, it was like made for stuff like that back in the day too. Yeah. Uh, I do want to give a shout because one last thing I want to say about the narrative. Another thing I think I yeah. like that really helps uh, make me feel invested uh, is a great villain. I think Metal Face oh, yeah. is an amazing mm-hmm. villain. Evil, hmm. like just the the dialogue, the exchange with the, the the main characters, just so menacing and ruthless. And then when you, you find out their motivation, it, it's like the personal nature of why they're so angry. It's like it's really good. I was well, really impressed with this villain. Um, another thing about Metal Face that you don't get that often is 
without getting into details, they're they're an actual threat, mm. right? Like they 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 do things that really piss you off and make you want to get back at them. And it's it's annoying when you're 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 playing something and the villain doesn't really do anything, and then you finally face off with them and you just easily crush them. And it's like they're they're an antagonist because the game just put them into that slot, just inserted them in there, but they didn't actually really feel like they they earned that status. So oh, yeah, yeah, I agree. And yeah, I mean, I, I'll, I'll it'll be interesting to see how I feel about I'm um, um, going through the game. Uh, how that how that how I feel about that. I'm trying not to spoil anything. How I feel about it through the remainder of the game. Um, if that whole yeah. and stuff, I can't say too many more. Maybe we'll say the first spoiler mode or something someday. And uh, but I will say again, even if you don't like the combat, <laughs> even if you don't like the story when you end up playing this, I feel this game's environments it's just such oh, a joy yes. to explore them that yeah. I could probably play through this entire game without combat or story just to w- go through the environments, just like a, a platformer slash find secret caves and like nooks and crannies type this random game. I, I, I think. I love how this game has these environments. I, I still don't know. And it's, aside from a seamless open world game, I don't know any other game that does zones this big on this scale. It's just mm. so impressive. And how each new zone, like, oh, I, I think this one was that big. No, it's massive. Holy crap. There's so much to do in this zone. And I love how for the most part, the zones don't, they don't rely on that copy paste style design where that same rolling hill over and over. Oh, that's that same rock formation over and over. They don't really right. do that. It feels unique. It feels like they spent a lot of time crafting each part of it. And, and it really shows and it pays off in a really nice way. Yeah, and I think something that that is extra amazing about it, uh, and like there there are certain things in genres where it's like, oh well, you know, this genre doesn't really focus on that. With RPGs, so very rarely do I feel like you have to worry about how you actually get through someplace. Like if, whether it's like a dungeon or like. Uh, an open area or, or whatever it is, like you kind of just go from A to B and there might be like some light puzzle elements or whatever, but how you actually like treat these locations as physical places doesn't really feel that different. And I think that's something that's remarkable about Xenoblade in depending on where you are, how you move, how you get from point A to point B can feel drastically different. Whether you're like sliding down a giant thing or doing crazy jumps or like swimming around in the water. Um, you know, it's, it's still limited, I think, compared to like an open world action adventure game. But for, for the genre that it is in, um, I think it feels a lot more interesting to navigate than, than a lot of other games for sure. And man, that soundtrack, that remastered <laughs> soundtrack, the, the Xenoblade Chronicles soundtrack was already classic, but just how much fuller. Uh, yeah, this, this I'm glad said. they didn't uh, mess it up. Um, mm-hmm. There have been some games that have done that. Uh, some do it right, but like a Final Fantasy X, X, II remaster, some of the X's rearranged songs were not good compared mm-hmm. to the originals. And I do feel for the composer because uh, they had to, because of the... Uh, coronavirus situation they weren't able to fully orchestrate every track like they wanted to mm-hmm. uh, so they did the best and focused on the tracks they think would do benefit the most from it and I, sure. I, I think they made the right calls with what they chose cool um i got to check out a game that we saw i don't remember where we saw it but oh yeah it's hard um, to keep track of all those events <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. Everything, everything. My whole life is a blur right now. But it's called, uh, I guess, Stalt, Steam, and Cinder. Oh, yeah. And this game. So I, we had a pre-alpha build of it, and the build is very, very short. I think it took me like 20, 25 minutes to get through. And normally, when things are very, very short, it's a blessing because then I can move on to the the other mountain of things that I have to get through. But I was really. Like, I felt it in my soul when it was like, thank you for playing. Please look forward to more or whatever it said. Uh, I was like, no, like, you have to let me keep going. Um, because it, it's in a genre that I think is uh, very saturated right now, which is sprite-based Metroidvania-style games. But the way that it it is accomplished and, and the ideas that it has... Uh, really do wonders. First of all, it's, it's gorgeous. Like the sprite work is, is fantastic. It's, it's kind of one of those things where you'll, you'll want to go and run around town and go into buildings and, and just see these characters and even the enemies in motion. Uh, it's just got a really charming, striking look to it. And so I appreciate that a lot, but, um, it's the mechanics of it that I think are the coolest thing. So a big part of Gestalt is you have like this rapier and you have this gun and you kind of need to work in combination mm. with these two things. Um, and at least in, you know, the build that I have, uh, you can only fire three bullets. And what the bullets do is they don't do a lot of health damage to an enemy, but they sort of have like this stamina stagger gauge thing where when you break that, uh, they'll be stunned for a second and that gives you an opportunity to go and run in and uh, take them out. But because you only get three shots, missing is terrible. Um, <laughs> and the, the other thing is, is when you're reloading, because you have to reload a lot, so you only have three bullets, you have to reload in place. And it's actually kind of a lengthy animation. And so that mechanic is enough i think to really give gestalt a super distinct feel where you know a lot of the rest of it um feels like any metroidvania that you would play but just kind of the the interaction of the gun and the sword and how you kind of fit the actions that you need to do in combat uh during that make it feel really 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 cool um one thing that I really don't like, and I imagine that this will be tweaked, is enemies, it felt a little too easy. And I, it felt like this was the very, very beginning of the game. And when you get sent out on your mission to kind of go and, and weed out this syndicate, uh, this criminal syndicate, they're like, oh, this will just warm you up. Um, it, it felt like nothing did enough damage. Um, okay. And, and you weren't punished enough for your mistakes. And on top of that... When you would kill enemies, they would drop health way too, way too much health. Mm. Um, so it felt like I, I felt awesome when I really went out of my way to time like the reloading and the gunshots and the the light and heavy attacks with the sword properly. But I think it kind of undercut that feeling of satisfaction where I was like, oh, I could have done way worse and been just fine. Um, I think the boss fight at the end um, kind of mitigates a lot of that since the boss isn't dropping health in the like sort of Mega Man locked room that you're playing in. Um, but another thing that I think needs to be tweaked is you have this roll and this backflip to kind of quickly evade forward or backward. 
But when you roll, you roll such a long distance, and I think your your iframes are so generous that uh, it is hard to take damage. Um, and so I think I think they need to just be a little bit more punishing to the player. Mm. Um, but that boss fight was still cool because I think you could only have two healing potions on you, and so oh, nice. um, if you did mess up or you weren't good at the roll or whatever, uh, it felt like you couldn't recover too much from your mm-hmm. mistakes. So I appreciated that. But um, very, very, very excited to see more. I, I just feel like, and I'm kind of curious to get your guys' thoughts on this. Yeah. So so uh, walk me back. Sorry to go back to the yeah. first, the bullet shooting. So you said like you have three shots. Does every enemy yeah. take three shots to get to that stun stage? No, they don't. They oh, don't. Wow, and that's wow. why it's so good is... Um, and like some enemies you don't want to spend the time using the bullets on. So like there are these dogs that are running around or these like machines that are above you shooting down laser beams where trying to shoot them is a waste of time because you can just quickly go and kill them. It's the human enemies that can like block or are a little bit beefier mm-hmm. where you want to kind of take down their stamina, stagger them. But it it takes it almost always, I think, takes more than three shots. And so if you're going to go that approach, um, you have to kind of figure in where you're going to reload as well. Okay. And and then the gun, sorry to clarify, the gun uh, bullets are the only thing that could make that stun state occur. Like, like, or can you? Yeah, I think you might do a little bit of uh, like stagger damage. Because you said like if you ran out of a shot and they didn't enter a full stun state, you're like, uh oh, Mm -hmm. you couldn't like rush in and try and like, eh, I can get a few hits in and maybe they'll break it. No, you can. So you can, you can, if you really want to, you can just avoid the whole staggering thing completely. But when you're hitting them, you're doing less damage than you could be doing. Yeah, okay, so, that's it, okay. So, like, putting them in the stagger state is like, okay, well, now I'm doing, you know, the maximum possible damage that I could be doing. And so that's kind of the incentive to do it, which I think is is a very good incentive. So like, yeah, I feel then, like, the approach would be, especially for, like, bosses, that they're, you, I'm hoping that they're, like, because you're talking about, like, the difficulty, and you didn't think they did enough, like, damage to you, and even with the right. healing restrictions, by the way. Like, like fights that put healing restrictions, because you can't just go yes. to a shop and buy infinite potions and yes. use yeah. it. That's always a nice thing. Yeah. Uh, the, the windows of opportunity to use the bullets uh, uh, to, like, cause them to go into that state to do more damage. I- I'm curious how you felt about, like, like, the tells and how easy it was to read the boss. And if you felt like you wanted yeah. a little bit more variety or challenge out of that l- element of the gameplay, or do you think it was satisfying enough with what you, you got to play? It's, it's tricky to say um, because I, I think this is a first boss and the, the whole stage kind of felt like a glorified tutorial, which unfortunately was the entirety of the build. Yeah. Um, but, you know, of course, it's pre-alpha, long way to go. The boss really only had two attacks, and they were... He gave extremely obvious tells, so it was not difficult to learn. And obviously, if that continues throughout the course of the game, and it's like, oh, man, like, bosses only have two or three attacks that are all very obvious to read, I think that would be a problem. But it's it's hard to really fairly say that um, this early on. Something interesting, though, about the boss and kind of the stamina system, Damiani, is... With regular enemies, you know, they have less stamina and less health, but a boss, you have a lot more health and a lot more stamina. And so something that was interesting is there'd be times where I would shoot it and it would kind of take down some of its stamina 
And then I'd have to dodge an attack or something and or reload and I wouldn't be able to keep pelting at stamina and the stamina would go back up. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so I had this moment during the fight where I'm like, ah, maybe it's better to just kind of go and directly attack it and do a little bit more health damage. Um, and so having to make those decisions on the fly, I think is kind of interesting as well. And I wonder how far the game will go with that. Yeah, the rhythm of like boss fights. I was just like, I, I, I like to dissect those and... The, the risk reward of, oh, after it did this attack, it is not only easier to fire more of the bullet shots, it actually will take more shield damage. I don't know if there's any indication of like that, but like I, I love that right. type of stuff, like the risk reward. Like eh, if you fire it, like right before it's about to fire, I, I'm seeing this animated gif of this tank thing firing the beam. It's like if yeah. you like stand your ground and fire to three shots right before the beam, will that like do? Like, I like stuff like that, you know, like the, yeah, the, for the, sure. the figure out like there's more than one way to take down the boss. And yeah, I mean, but it looks really cool, though. The, the other thing about the gun that is interesting is you can't you you can only shoot it horizontally. Oh, um, OK. Oh, yeah. and there there are there are enemies that are deliberately placed above <laughs> you shooting beams. And so. Again, that's kind of another interesting decision as you're going through these levels where the things that are above you shooting beams, one sword slash will take care of them, but it's like, is it worth the effort to try to like get up and jump and potentially put myself at risk or do I just run by? Um, And so I like those limitations as well. Sometimes I think it was taken a little bit to the extreme where I would be like on this pathway and there would be like a little divot, like it, it felt like like a couple inches that the enemy was below me and like my gun couldn't hit them because they were just slightly below me. And it was like, okay, that feels a little bit awkward or like elevation where you'd be like, no, just like tilt the gun one inch down (laughs) and just shoot them. And so there were times where it it felt very, very rigid. And I understand why they're doing that, that you have to work around those limitations, but sometimes the, the limitations felt too arbitrary, I think. Um, But I'm curious if, because it did seem like an open in a game where like the mission that I went on, like you could track it. You could see like, this is your quest right mm-hmm. now. And so I wonder uh, if in the full game, you will have a series of quests that you could do um, and what kind of upgrades you'll get and and what sort of abilities and, and how that'll manifest. And that's Yeah, I'm curious if you will end up uh, like with Ori or something to where you have multiple quests at a certain time. That yeah. you can go to different parts of the map and kind of choose how you're going to explore. Blood, I keep wanting to bring it to Frame Trap, but I haven't quite finished Will of the Wisp yet. I keep I just, starting I, it and then getting knocked out by something else. Like, I really want to get through that game. I just want to say I love it. And I think uh, <laughs> it is one of the games that is being slept on the hardest this year. Shout out to Ori and the Will of the Wisp. We're not, not taking that. a deep dive on it this episode. It's not that but, long. Uh, yeah, it's not that long. I just, uh, I keep getting distracted by other things, but it's very, very good. Um, I didn't love it as much as I was expecting to at first, but I think once you get deeper into the game um, and the map starts opening up more and you get more abilities, it really starts shining in a, in a pretty awesome way. Um, but both of you, I don't, I don't know if either of you have done this yet. The new segment on the show mm-hmm. called Best Take. Um, I think maybe. where I, you might have. I don't know. I, I can't keep track of time. Maybe you were on the last episode of Rolando. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> maybe this is my first time hosting the show. I don't know. Um, 
where Bistaki, I just kind of reward somebody who I think had the 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 best opinion or said something that I thought was uh, really cool. And Damiani, it wasn't actually an opinion that you did, but something that I thought was really neat that you did that I want to highlight and why I'm going to give you the best take is as Blood was talking about Beyond Blue, uh, you were looking it up. And I think you, by, by doing that and, and kind of educating yourself, I think you really had some good questions. So shout out to that. Um, so for best take, it rewards a good practice or a good opinion. And so I will give you a topic and you need to give me good opinions on them. Mm-hmm. And I will be the judge of whether or not it's a good opinion. And you will start an opinion combo and we'll see how far they can keep going. Your topic for today's best take is reality TV shows. I need an opinion on reality TV shows to start the combo. They, and they, these uh, again, these have to be good opinions, correct? For the spirit of the thing. Oh, they can be. They can be a good opinion. Can be negative. I just mean it has to be like a a, a good, like a valuable opinion. Gotcha. Like, yeah, yeah. Right. It can be. Ne- you can. You can. You can slam on oh, as okay, much as you want. Okay, I was going to say like yeah, the, yeah. The, the great the great source of like meme material. I mean, I would not want them to go away. Okay. Because I, I, ooh, Memes would suffer without reality TV. They definitely contribute to pop culture. Okay, great source of meme material. I'll take it. So your your combo your your at your, the hit counter is like at one right now. Um. Oh, do we alternate or just me keep going? Sorry. No, it's just okay, you. Okay. Sorry. All right. Uh. Sorry. Um. Yeah. The they were really cool at first because there was a type of format that hadn't been seen. It's always nice to see people push boundaries with like media, especially like film and television and that and that that type of narrative. And yeah, I, so it was a definitely it was definitely very awesome to see. Do them. you think it's still pushing boundaries? Uh, I think some people are genuinely trying to, but it's more difficult because I think the medium, the sorry, the genre has gotten a stigma against it. It got kind of drilled into the ground so many mm. studios are going to it because it was cheaper it was faster uh i mean how many survivors did are we on i don't even know what number like infinite survivors is survivor still going I on think it is isn't it <laughs> is it dude i used Maybe. to like watch that like with my spin-off? parents when i was a kid what but i mean <laughs> we hell? get like it, it has gone but it has evolved to like youtube we we do get like uh yeah. what was the the two japanese guys who came to america and went to all like we watched that one time ben uh they went to all the american restaurants to try all the burgers or something yeah oh it, god that was a long yeah, time ago like, the, like most popular combo it was like that was so good like i mean that was i guess that oh, was like shit. forever ago too so i mean that's yeah. not recent but i mean you still see people trying really crazy things that like oh i guess that's a thing i didn't know that was a thing it's kind of cool to see that get some exposure uh, I, I but again i think it got stigma stigmatized because of like mainstream networks just going to that well way too much and it just ran dry really fast. I think people got burnt out. Okay, so so far we've got great meme material and drilled into the ground, but you admire when they, they push boundaries uh, both in the past and present. Jesus. Um, it's hard. I know. Uh, I know I, I don't like Jersey Shore because uh, it, it spanned the catchphrase or something about Juicy. 
and everyone, or I was growing up at the time, went around screaming juicy at each other, and it was the most annoying, stupid thing in the world. What? I hated it. I don't... And I was like, Jersey Sword must be dumb. And I was like... And I was like, it's also making fun of, like, Italian-Americans, too. I was like, yes. <laughs> I was like, here we go. I was like... Wait, what? People ran around? Something about, like, a juicy... Each suit, other? Like, the, one of the characters wore juicy brand clothes or juicy I suit. just missed this entirely. And apparently, okay. like... Like one of the characters says it, like you got your juicy shoot, like in a, like a thick Jersey accent or anything. And I was like, uh, and so I just knew a bunch of people went around trying to imitate that. It was almost on the levels of bad as like uh, Rick Jane, I'm Rick Jane's bitch with Jane, uh, the Dave okay. Chappelle show. I was like, oh my gosh, please stop this. This needs to end. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I never uh, cared for Jersey Store. I never watched it. I just hated it based on that. That, that reminds me of like, the the window of whenever you lo- like you could log into World of Warcraft at any time any hour of any day and somebody was like making a Chuck Norris joke mm. where like that was that was all the rich all right Damiani I I think uh, yeah we are going to move on but I appreciate your your willingness to play ball <laughs> uh, so we got great meme material drilled into the ground but admires when it pushes boundaries and <laughs> final one is uh, juicy. <laughs> Uh, pretty funny yeah. uh, uh, this best take is brought out to you by some wonderful shout out to your patrons uh, if you'd like to find out more about this $250 tier if you would like us to shout out your name in our podcast go to patreon.com slash easy allies um, but before I read these shout outs um, so we're going to do the name and then say shout out but I want us to get progressively quieter oh, Okay. but still audible I still need to be able to distinctly make out your voice okay. alright so our first shout out is to Blue. Shout out. Shout out. Caleb Togi Crawford. Shout, shout out. out. Shout out. L Thanis. Shout out. Shout out. Greg the Dark Knight Kettering. Shout out. Shout out. And Jesse Blue, who would like to draw attention to Black Lives Matter. Shout out. Shout out. I think we might have been a little too loud at the end, but I, I appreciate the effort nonetheless. All right. Uh, moving on. Blood, what in the world is Target Wave Break? Target? No, there's no Target. Just Wave Break. Um, wait. Dang, that okay, sounds way cooler. Oh, wait, this, this might be me misreading Slack. Okay, I'm going to pull this up. Okay. I hope it was like a URL up. to Target the store. <laughs> yeah, let me see this. I could have I could have sworn. Oh, okay. After I finish Last of Us, I'm probably going to Target Wave Break and Beyond Blue for Frame Trap. And so I read that as Target Wave Break. <laughs> okay, so tell me. Sorry, tell me about Wave Break. Uh, yeah, so Wave Break, uh, my opportunity to pull out a, the Stadia controller for the first time in a while. Uh, oh, is this Stadia exclusive? Right now it is. It's coming to PC and consoles okay. later. Um, but yeah, right now it's only on Stadia. Uh, I would, I, when I first saw this trailer a few months ago, uh, I was like, oh, I'm in for this, you know, like wave race fan, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so that's what got stuck in my head is like, oh, this is like a wave race type of game. Um, and it's not. Wait, it isn't? 
It's not. It's more Tony Hawk. I would have anything. Okay, okay. My my guess was immediately Wave Race, and yeah. so now I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm watching even a more clip of it and lost like, Yo, this is Wave Race, but now I see a trick part. And I'm like, oh, I see yeah, a meter. So this and a is bar. this is like a hundred percent Tony Hawk, but on the water and with guns. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. It, okay, it, you lost. It hasn't been a major factor, but there are like like other NPCs running around shooting at you and you need to shoot back and like you can find like assault rifles and shotguns hidden hidden in the stage of places. Um, But I will say like this game has been, again, I've only played it for a couple hours today, but it's been like one of those games where like I really wanted to like get into this and enjoy this. And I've just been like really annoyed and frustrated. (laughs) Because of the platform? Uh, no, not because of the platform uh, okay. at all. I mean, maybe maybe there's like some latency issue there that I'm not like really like noticing, but it, that is contributing to my frustration. I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, there's a few things that I think play into this. So, well, number one, it was not realizing what I was getting into right away. But then number two is that the game doesn't really do anything to introduce you to itself. Like you start game and... You know, you get this giant list of like Tony Hawk style objectives, like go over this thing, get the cassette tape, get, you know, uh, these four letters, five letters, you know, do, do the thing around the grind around the swimming pool and, you know, do these other missions. And you just get like this list of like 15 different objectives and then two minutes go. And like, I don't even know what I can do. Like, I don't know how to control this boat. (laughs) And so I'm like going through and just like just trial and error, trial and error. And like looking up like the reassign remap buttons to like figure out what my buttons actually do um, and and that kind of thing. And and I will say like the number one thing that has been killing it for me is the two minute timer. Because I don't know why I, I need to have a two-minute timer. Uh, like it just feels so limiting. And like the first couple of things that you end up having, to, you, you don't, you can do anything in any order you want. But because there's like this guy that's like, hey, over here, giving you a mission. Like that's where you gravitate to are these like more story-ish missions. And he's like, all right, go over and you know, like they've they've taken our boat. Go plant dynamite on the boat and and then get the detonator. And you're like, okay, and you get one part of that figured out, and then oh, time's up. Start over. I'm like, oh, okay, go back and do the thing again, and 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 then just like trying to learn how to deal with like the mechanics while also doing something that's like a little bit crazy because the to get the detonator, you basically have to grind up like this spiral of this lighthouse and then jump off the top. And it has that kind of like Tony Hawk thing where there's like the thing going back and forth that you have to balance. But like when you go around turns, it like cuts over to one side or the other really quickly. Sure, sure, sure. So it's like, there's just like a lot going on. And then like you're trying to do that and then somebody shoots you (laughs) or you hit an exploding (laughs) barrel or something. (laughs) I mean, I haven't played the game, but based on your description, the guns seem completely unnecessary. They're pretty unnecessary. There are times when you do have to like run around the map and find people and kill them, but uh, mm. yeah, it, 
<laughs> Wait, so you get out of your vehicle, you get out of the Wave Runner and go on no. land and run on like GTA no. style or something? Uh, you, 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 you just on land, you just like you, you use it, you just use the boat to go up, up staircases and oh, stuff. Oh, okay, that, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> or you yeah. grind, um, okay. yeah, uh, but yeah, and then you know, there's like all kinds of different, you know, different tricks as well as like grabs and and flips and spins and. But like I've had a hard time, like really making those things connect together. Like one of the, another, like mm. one of the objectives that I've had a difficult time with was after that. You know, they're saying, okay, like now you've you know, you've wrecked the boat. You've dealt with everybody. Now get our drugs off the boat. He doesn't say drugs. He says product. And there's a white bag that's marked flour, but it's clearly cocaine, right? And mm. take it up to the top of the hotel and deliver it to the party. But the only way to get up to the t- hotel, you really have to figure it out. It's, a, it's like a platforming challenge almost. And so, like, you've got to like go around the whole island and like, try to figure out how you can get higher. And then, if you if you just miss like one grind rail or something, well, you're on a two minute timer. So, start over. Go get the drugs again. Go start seeing, you know. And and so, like, if you just misjudge anything along the way, or you lose your balance, or you just can't figure out what the right path is to get to the top you know you just have to keep trial and error trial and error repeating everything uh, that you just did all the steps you did to get to that point just hearing your description how frustrating it is and you know very quickly looking at a trailer on youtube uh like with with the the lack of direction the time limit the game also looks exceptionally bright Mm -hmm. uh like it's definitely the point where it's a little distracting yeah, yeah, it definitely seems like it's going for that type of, of, of style, but it seems like kind of with everything that's going on, th- the visuals also might make it frustrating. Uh, did you find that to be the case, or that that wasn't really a problem? I wouldn't say in terms of the art style that it causes any issues, but it does have, like, it's got some weird selective drawing problems. To like, What do you mean by that? I mean, like... So there's this one ramp in particular in that first level, uh, which is the again the only level I've gotten to play so far because you have to get so many of those objectives crossed off before they'll even unlock the next level. Oh really? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> uh, but there's there's this one ramp, um, and there's there's a grind rail on either side, but for some reason half the time the the left one is just you can't see it until you get like right on top of it and then it pops in. And so, and, and there's like a lot of little things like that where you, you uh, there's a assault rifle pickup, and sometimes that I would that pickup would never even pop in, but I would drive over the spot where it is and I would pick it up. <laughs> hmm. uh, so it's yeah, it's it's got some little technical things going on there too. And I think the, another thing that and I, I was pointing these out in Slack earlier today. Some of the the tooltips on the loading screens are like kind of like mean and vindictive, and they're like, "Are you experiencing latency issues? We'll build your own ISP." You know, um, oh. uh, do you, are you yeah. having? The hell is going on is, with this is, game? Is the boat turning too quickly? Uh, use common sense and move the analog stick less. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> So, and then the other the other thing installed. I think that contributes to the frustration <laughs> is with the music. Well, it's not installed; it's on Stadia. Um, <laughs> yeah, they got me. <laughs> uh, is that with the two minute timer? Like sometimes the songs don't even finish, and then you restart the song. 
Oh yeah. You sit, you know, and then you sit through a loading screen. And so it's just kind of, there's like a lot of, the thing is, is like, as I play you know, it's like one of these things where like, I just like feeling like I'm like having to fight through all this stuff and like, okay, now that I'm getting more familiar with it, I'm getting better with that. I'm like able to actually accomplish some things that it's like lessening that frustration, but it's just so much to have to fight through. And I still feel like in some ways that I'm not a hundred percent connecting with the controls in a way that feels satisfying. This is so heartbreaking because when you compare it to something like Tony Hawk, I, I, I am so desperate for a game that feels like Tony Hawk to me, where you just kind of, it, it just has an incredible vibe, great music. It is like controls immaculately and is designed in such a way where you feel like you can explore and find secrets, but is also contained enough that like you, you always feel like it's easy to find something to do. Like the Tony Hawk series, it is it is heartbreaking what happened to it because those some of those games are absolute masterpieces, and it would be great to have something, you know, like this Wave Break game, not Target Wave Break, <laughs> something like this Wave Break game that that fills that void because like right now I'm waiting for that Tony Hawk One and Two remake demo, and it's like not coming out until August, and I'm like, no, please just give yeah. it to me. Um, but it doesn't sound like this. Well, I'm this curious because, stuff. you know, like I'm not exactly like a great Tony Hawk player either. So I'm curious, you know, if somebody mm -hmm. that is like really comfortable with this controls, like how they would take to this, you know, what kind of criticisms they would have or whether, you know, it wouldn't be that big of a deal to them and, they, you know, it would be fine with it. That, okay. So that'll be my new goal. Blood. Yeah. I'll, I'll play you it can log in for the, the next Stadia episode. Account. It's on the yeah. group Stadia account. So. Yeah, and then I'll be like, "Oh no, Blood was wrong. This is this is awesome. Get your Tony Hawk fix." Yeah, because it's uh, interesting. Also, it's thirty bucks, and there's only four levels. Dude, Wait. I I was just uh, on the Stadia store, just looking at it today uh, before getting onto the show, and everything is like overpriced on that Jeez, store. It's ridiculous. That, yeah, that does not yeah. seem. Yeah. There's like a multiplayer well, modes and stuff as well, but I'm not sure like how much I would be into those. Gotcha. You know? mm. uh, I also would the multiplayer modes be like death match. There is a death what? match option I saw. Okay. Um, and there's also I think like you know doing tricks and stuff. Mm -hmm. Sure. Uh, together. Uh, another thing I noticed that I didn't get that deep into is that with the cash that you earn from completing objectives, you increase like a whole like 20 different stats on your your character. So I am curious, like, whether that's one of these things where, like, if you pump up your stats well enough, then, like, that balances out some of these control issues. And it's just frustrating because your stats aren't very high. Um, mm. So yeah, I don't know if I would be into that for this type of game. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm imagining from a Tony Hawk perspective, you always, it was the rider and the board you picked that determined those stats. Having to pump in mm -hmm. extra points like an RPG system... That seems like it would be a little, especially with the, as you described the design and your objectives, like having a list of objectives, that seems kind of counterintuitive, honestly. And then the other thing uh, with just one of the objectives is like, maybe there was a flyover like the first time that they showed it. I don't, I don't know for sure. Um, Cause I don't think it repeats, but it's just like grind around the lobby pool. And I'm like, well, there's, three things that might be the lobby pool, but I'm not sure which one is the one that you want me to grind around. And so like mm -hmm. one of them, this is not too bad, uh, but it didn't 
cross it off. So I guess that's not it. And then the other two is just like, again, like trying to do it and do it within the stress of like that two minute time limit. It's just like, ah, crap. Uh, you made me think of uh, I, I've <laughs> I've been picking away at Borderlands the pre sequel on Switch. Oh, really? And I, yeah, I was doing a a side quest where it wanted me to pick up this item, and it the the marker for the side quest was in the middle of lava. That if you touched the lava, you were dead, and you would lose money. And I just couldn't figure it out. I was like, what in the world is going on? I cannot get this thing that I need for this side quest. When you die in, you know, in Borderlands, you lose money. Um, and it was just really, really frustrating. I was like, I wonder if it's glitched. And I quit out of the game and went back in and it put the marker at a completely different safe oh. spot. <laughs> so, uh, that was a little frustrating. Just made me think of that. Yeah, but it's weird like with something like this for like you just feel like you need to get better. And so you just keep beating your head against that wall. You know, it's like, I, I, I just want to look, give me another run. Give me another run. Let me try it. Let me try it again. Like, why am I just not 100% connecting to it? Yeah. Two minutes seems way too tight. Yeah. Um, Particularly for like some of the exploration stuff, because like this, you know, yeah. even this first level is really complex and there's a lot of space to explore. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Because at least when you're comparing Tony Hawk, I mean, that's one of the things I only played through Tony Hawk's first gear three. I actually liked trying mm. to do as many objectives in that like time limit you had, but those were really tightly packed levels. They weren't massive. Like what I'm right. seeing in this wave break, and you're talking about this two minute time limit. That's and then like this complicated set of things you were talking about, and you have to restart. I'd, I'd hope they at least maybe consider giving the option to like hit like a quick restart to the beginning of that like line of objectives, like just reset the clock a little bit. But that two minute time limit that seems way too harsh. I, I agree with you, man. Well, the thing about Tony Hawk is like you would get more expansive levels, but objectives would be placed in such a way where it would have a natural flow to it, where it was like, okay, these things are kind of placed where it's like if you're jumping and you're grinding, you will naturally find and see what you're supposed to be getting as you're going through the level. And so uh, it wasn't – you didn't have like – you did every once in a while, but a lot of times – it, it felt like just kind of naturally going through the stage, you would be immediately drawn to the things that you needed to uncover. So, yeah, that's a bummer. Uh, Damiani, you have been, you previewed a game called uh, No Straight Roads. What's that about? Yeah, it, it is a, uh, best way to describe it is an action game blended with, uh, with rhythm, essentially. It tries to take the elements of more, like a character action style game and a little bit of rhythm and throws it together into this really aesthetically very beautiful game. Um, and you are basically the, the whole theme of this game is it's like <laughs> you call it a weird, like culture war thing. It's EDM versus rock. So you are two, your, uh, you, your lead guitarist named Mayday and you're in the band uh, um, with her drummer Zook and the two of them, uh, they basically are trying to they're an indie rock band and they're trying to basically impress this label called nsr which basically controls the city vinyl city uh they, they they provide the power for the city they control pretty much all aspects of the city but they also uh it's all the city is powered by edm essentially but they're the, the the largest label in the city and they want to get their breakout so they're performing before nsr and the judges and they play their music and they're basically told by all the judges and their CEO that 
rock's dead stop rock and then like stop trying to be a rock band it's not gonna happen embrace edm and then when they try and fight and talk back they basically like take it escalate a step further and say rock is outlawed and banned now you just can't have rock music so you're really dejected you're you're walking back home and there's a power outage and you notice all the nsr buildings are still powered but all the average people are uh, or don't have any more power and they realize that nsr might be abusing their position of power so you decide right then and there you're gonna have a, a, a indie rock revolution a music revolution and you're gonna take down edm and nsr and with the power of rock <laughs> the setup is so good and uh the visual style just reminds me of psychonauts in the best mm, way like it, yeah. it really looks gorgeous um, and just super fun. I think it's a little bit difficult to kind of get a sense of how the action plays out and how that kind sure. of balances with rhythm. So the but. rhythm part. So here's the thing there, there, uh, I've seen a lot of comments and I did feel this when I was playing through it. There, de- there still mm. seems to be a little bit of a disconnect between you initiating your combat actions, having to be in rhythm versus the stage and enemies are in rhythm. So mm. enemies attack in a, in a well, along with the rhythm essentially the easiest one are these like these two like robot droids that will like on the beat will like jump up and then land and make like an impact tremor on the beat essentially and mm. you just got a time with the beat oh when the beat goes off jump and you dodge the thing and enemies will like oh i'm gonna do like a laser attack on this beat so the stage and its environmental hazards uh they all operate on that rule set your attacks though don't don't operate on that rule set. That's where I think some people might be like, well, why aren't you hitting the buttons to the beat and stuff like that? There really isn't something like that. Instead, it's like, uh, it's melee combat driven where each character, uh, so Mayday has a big guitar, a little slower but powerful like melee swing attacks. And then uh, Zook has drums, which are a little faster. There is a little bit of a beat to it when you, there's these like circles that appear above his head. And each hit you do will go boom, 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 like a four beat. Mm. It'd be like one, two, three, four. But to trigger the fifth beat, you got to hit, you got to switch to hitting a different button on that beat. So there's a little bit of a hint of that still there. But for the most part, you can, I mean, even with the enemy attacks being in beat, you just go in there and start wailing on an enemy and be like, I killed it before I even had to deal with that. So they haven't really married those the the combat and the enemy and hazards together as well as i would have liked in the demo so that i think that's where some people are seeing the disconnect there sorry if you already said this but can you freely switch between the two characters or it's on a cooldown system though so think of it like uh, calling in it's like not an assist but like a character swap in the top left you have your health meter you have uh, a gauge for your special attacks for your mods and then the character silhouettes will be highlighted and once you switch out they'll gray out and start filling in with color again it's not too long it's like a few seconds but they yeah. essentially your health uh, it, it's like a fighting game system it, it, you have gray health so if you are let's say you take like 50% health damage but it's 50% gray you can switch the other character and they'll start healing slowly in the background and you could bring them back in so it wasn't. I didn't feel compelled to change characters based on their skill sets at any point. I didn't feel one offered an advantage over the other. It was just, oh, this character's taking a lot of damage. They're low. Let me swap them out so they can heal up and, and, and use this other character. That's That, that, that was Got the it. main reason I was swapping out characters. Uh, something that is very uh, attention-grabbing in the trailer is the fact that it seems like it kind of 
alternates between styles and even gameplay uh, pretty often where like there was one crazy part where you're like on this highway it seemed like dodging notes as as two different hands representing the characters um i don't know if you saw something like that but it just seems like there's there's a ton of of, of visual and potentially mechanical variety they, they, they well. do the, 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 i didn't get to experience some of this but the trailer at the end uh which i think is their newest trailer does show some more gameplay variety which is uh Outside of the venues, I think it was a little bit lacking when you explore the town. So I don't know. Like, there weren't any side quests. There weren't any real secondary objectives other than you collect these energy cores to power up objects in the city that net you fans. Fans are your currency you spend to uh, upgrade uh, your skill tree stuff, essentially. And that was really it. But there were definitely objects that, like, some of these wanted, like, a diamond-shaped thing. I'm like, I don't have this yet. And the mess my ability can find them. But in terms of, like, the actual, like, gameplay stuff... It was the boss battles, like the two I got to do were DJ Subatomic, uh, Supernova, and uh, Sayu, uh, like a, a pop, like DJ Subatomic, uh, Supernova is basically like a DJ battle where the turntable is like the universe, like a solar system, and he's spinning planets around on each of the tracks. And Sayu is Pop Idol, and her, it's like an undersea mermaid theme, and she keeps changing. You have to. She's controlled by four different people to make up her the to pull off the performance, and you have mm. to go basically deactivate or defeat each one of them. They're like shut down their source of power individually, and they start you know, like their gotcha. their music, their voice, their stuff like that, and they become you know more frustrated and flustered of that. But everything was fixed camera angle when in, in boss battles. And that might be my mm. biggest gripe is sometimes it would be way too zoomed out. And it's nice to see everything, sure. but like especially on Sayu's mermaid stuff, you have these uh, patches where like bubbles come up to the beat that can hurt you. And these like electrified eel type things that electrify and speed up on beat as well. And even with the like how zoomed out, it was hard to see shadows. It was how, like, I was like, oh, I'm clearly past this already. Nope, I just ran into it. I'm like, wait, I, I can't tell if I'm over this or not. And it was a little frustrating. Like the sub, uh, the DJ battle, really not any. Like it was such a, sm- a smaller arena, it was easier to judge. But the Saiyan one, because it has platforming and a lot of roll dodging or just dodging in general, it was a little bit more frustrating on that battle. And I, I'm. I saw glimpses from the trailer of the other battles. They looked like they might not suffer as much from that. It might just be a one-off from I see. that. So uh, you mentioned you got to do two bosses in what you played. Uh, like, roughly, how does that translate to hours, would you say, in terms of what you got to experience? I mean, they described it as 60 to 90 minutes. It was about okay. that long. It's, uh, gotcha. But the thing is, again, in between levels, you go through Vinyl City. And think about, like, five districts. Or how I don't know how many districts are going to be. I mean, I think there are five or six boss battles from the trailer. Uh, trailer, sorry. Uh, you get access to all the first area essentially, and then as you defeat each of these artists, you can get control of their venue. You get a disc, and you can spin the disc, which rotates the city, so you can get access to the next part, and then you hmm. can explore all that area. There just wasn't anything to do, so I was like, oh, I uh, collected everything. I really tried to do everything I could. I'm like, eh. Um, guess it's time to move on and stuff gotcha um i mean would you say that in in spite of the frustrations that you'd have that you want to play more of it 
I mean, it feels like it's going to be a pretty short game, and I would probably I would like to see what the other boss is, especially if they showed some other mini game like activities. Back at your base, mm. there's like a retro, like Atari style uh, shooter game, side scrolling shooter, but it's also rhythm. Mm. It is a rhythm based. You only shoot on the rhythm, and the enemies only shoot on the gotcha. rhythm. I was like, ooh, this actually utilizes it. It's kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, there in one of the trailers, they show a side scrolling shooting segment. I was like, ooh, this might you know be cool. So I'd like to see some of that. Like the boy band one they teased looked way more interesting than anything I've seen. I was like, hmm, this might be cool. Uh, it's just the combat, I think. I I'm finding most of the problems with the combat system, honestly. It, it doesn't feel mm. like it's that in-depth. Uh, it doesn't offer a lot of variety. It it's mostly about navigating the terrain and dealing with moving back and forth between certain parts of an environment to interact or attack things to to proceed to your next objective it, it's not like a character action in turn like it's not that in depth as like a devil may cry or Bayonet. it's not even remotely close to anything like that uh sure. so you're not doing like these really cool flashy combos or anything and and mixing up you know styles or anything to that nature you're simply just doing your one two three attacks you have a you can equip mods to your uh instruments so like a mayday can toss her guitar you like rev it up like flicking the stick kind of like strumming guitar it's kind of a nice touch and you unleash it and it'll like hit as many things as it can target within you and then zook mm. uh, i just mash the buttons down and he'll start drumming really fast he'll summon up healing items and you can heal up like that so that i mean it's kind of neat touch to that it's a nice novelty it just doesn't amount to a lot of depth to the battle system and i'm kind of yeah i'm, I'm thinking the game being might be a little bit more short on the short end will not result in you having too many issues with that i feel like this is a more fleshed out game that took like 10 or more hours potentially that might be a problem but i, I don't know how long the final game is going to be i could see it becoming an issue if this is a long drawn out game especially if the skill trees don't unlock uh, like unique new abilities that add on to the combos. I, I'm not sure how that's going to go. Hmm. This this is tough to Amanda because I, I think your your uh, critiques are are very well reasoned, but it's it's one of those things where I think the premise and style are so appealing that I'm like ah uh, I think I think I could forgive you know some roughness just because I I, I like the vibe of it so there's, much. There's a the one thing to consider, I don't know if they're going to change this in the final build, is if you die, you have to restart from the beginning of the sequence of a boss battle. Oh, no. And they have multiple. Oh, and they, no. And like, it's not just a fight. It's like a stage, essentially. Uh, okay. So, like, the, the DJ Subatomic one, there's, like, five different parts of it. You go back to the very first part. Saiga was more annoying. Mm. Uh, the, the difficulty on, like, the normal difficulty is not that bad. Uh, I mean, mm. it's not like a cakewalk where you're just mashing it away with it. But they have they locked hard. There seems like there's four, at least four different difficulty settings, three above normal. I tried hard on DJ Subatomic. I was really trying. And uh, I just took so much damage. Uh, it seemed like things just did way more damage. Uh, yeah, I couldn't beat it on hard the first boss. But I was like, huh. okay, I might need a little bit of practice. So I'm kind of worried about that that leap in uh, in difficulty, that spike there uh, could be potentially. Hmm. And, and with the fact that there are no checkpoints along the way with the, the, these boss encounters. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, well, I, I I kind of made a poor decision, kind uh -oh. of. Uh, well, I'm curious to get your guys' opinion on this. So I have always very casually enjoyed Burnout Paradise. Like, it's just fun 
to hop into that world and drive around. And I already bought the remaster on PS4, but when I saw it come out on Switch, which is $50, by the way, wow, which is way too much money, I was like, oh, it's the perfect Switch game. Like, I could totally see myself just on a trip or something and just wanting to dip into a little Burnout Paradise. And so, uh, against my better judgment, maybe I don't have better judgment, but against my better judgment, I... Um, Got Burnout Paradise on Switch, and I've been playing that, and it's just been yet another strong reminder of how good Burnout and specifically Burnout Paradise is. Um, well, it's certainly not the best-looking version of the game, uh, as you would probably expect from the, the Switch port. I do appreciate that it runs at 60 frames per second, so yeah. you, you still get the smoothness and the speed that you desire, but... God, Burnout Paradise is just like one of the best games to chill out to. Like that 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 licensed array of songs, some of them are stinkers in my opinion, but but there are enough good ones. We're just like driving around the city and getting into different competitions and finding billboards to smash. Um, it is it is a blast. Like everything is tuned just right. Like we were talking about Tony Hawk uh, earlier and and how good the the flow is and how just immaculate the the feeling of control is and I think you can apply the same to Burnout Paradise and like I encourage anybody even if even if you have no interest in racing games and I'm not the biggest uh, racing game fan in the world but I I think their Burnout Paradise just like from a design level does so much right where it's it's just perfectly constructed and I love doing. Like the challenges where you have to like rack up a combo. Mm-hmm. Um, what's great about that is you you get a combo where it's like okay you'll you'll get points if you're boosting or if you're drifting and you'll get multipliers like if you go over a huge jump or hit a billboard or whatever. You have to try to hit the target score within a certain amount of time. But even if the time is at zero, if you're in the middle of a combo, you can try to keep it going as long as you possibly can. And so being at zero seconds, racing through the city, trying to keep the combo up is just an incredible feeling. Like, ah, it's so, so good. And burnout should come back. This is this is my TED talk. Do they? Uh, um, do you do you know if they have or have you tried out uh, any of the multiplayer challenges? Because those were like no, surprisingly been... fun in the original game. You know, just because the because there are things where you know you have to work as a group together to to do certain mm. things. You know, like you have to you know cross paths on a jump, you know, several times or whatever. Uh, no, I'm glad you brought that up, though. I've just been chilling offline because my mentality has just been kind of like I'm going to turn off my brain and drive around yeah, the city, sure. and so I don't really think about it too much. But uh, that sounds awesome. So, like, when you when – you, I haven't ever done the multiplayer stuff uh, in Burnout Paradise. So Yeah, it's been like, so long. Like, when you say you have to work together, yeah. what does that mean? Like, that's that's what I mean. Do... It's like you're, you're all – like, there's a, a shared goal. Gotcha. That, you know, you you're all contributing to, rather gotcha. than just competing and racing. And I think maybe one of the you know first racing games to really do something along those lines. And you know, and and that DNA is kind of carried over into like Forza Horizon and stuff. But you know, it's just one of those things that you know people could could get lost in. And I think, kind of like you, I didn't 
I didn't even pay any attention to that for the longest time. And then there was like a few nights like way later on because that game had a long tail with all its DLC. But like I got into that multiplayer stuff like, oh, wow, this is actually really, really cool and fun and, and, and particularly different at that time. Yeah. And like you could almost feel the glee of the designers because you'll you'll go along a single road in Burnout Paradise and you'll see like kind of a, a it, the road will split off in a fork for you to do a jump and you'll be like oh no wait I oh I saw that too late and I missed that fork and then like 10 feet later there's another fork and you'll go down that fork you'll do a crazy huge jump you'll crash through a billboard and you'll land and they're like you want to go again this time we're going over a bridge like it is just like almost comically so built for you to like no matter where you're driving um having something crazy going on and i I like how that kind of uh applies in different ways where like when you're by the like when you're in like the the subway or train yard or whatever it is you're doing a lot of jumps but when you're on like the west side of the map everything is very like windy and so you can do a lot of drifts um and it really focuses on that aspect or like you'll be in a mountainous area and you'll just like crash through fences mm-hmm. um and it's just a game like think about how many games we play where there's just so much fluff where it's like, oh, I got to like slow walk here to listen to this dialogue or whatever. And obviously that, of course, changes depending on the genre that you're in. But like Burnout Paradise is just so tightly packed with get in the game, have an awesome time, forget about it. Uh, in the same way that that's something like like a Tony Hawk would be. And so, yeah, I've been having a great time. Um, and it was nice. It's one of those games where like I was just I just handed the controller to my iPhone and I was like, oh, you you give it a shot. And having never played a burnout game before it was just like yeah hit right trigger to go left trigger left analog stick to turn and b to boost and have a great time and within seconds you know she was just having fun racing around and i, I appreciate the immediacy of it as well gosh talking, so. talking about burnout and, and, and crashing and stuff i had blood because you mm-hmm. being with an easy allies being the the racing expert and I mm-hmm. trust your expertise here. Has there ever been a game, uh, Amanda's not aware of it, uh, that goes for the graphic fidelity of like a Gran Turismo, but focuses on like crashing? Because you know what? I, I kind of want to see mm. a game that does like glint, like does like the beauty shots of like destroying your car. Because when I play Gran Turismo, I know I know what it's about. But there's a guilt. There's a part of my mind is like I want that guilty pleasure. I want a game that looks this good. It's about racing. It's about destroying my car. And I know those games exist, but don't have the graphic fidelity. This I want like that, like, look at this car crashing. The amazing detail we put into like all the bends and like the the the, the, the scratches and like parts flying off. Does, does this exist, Budworth? The closest thing right now, and we played it on uh, Grixtry one time, was uh, Wreckfest. Um, it's I, I wouldn't necessarily call those beauty shots because those cars uh-huh. are you know uh junkyard uh, <laughs> junkyard models and, and and but yeah they they uh I, did huber or somebody else play that also recently but well yeah, yeah i don't want it, to it's kind of spoilers for okay an upcoming show <laughs> you might see more breakfast soon gotcha. but uh y- well an upcoming episode of a show yeah. that exists yeah 
So yeah, I think that's the closest thing right now. Um, There's also uh, some of the burnout guys. What is it? Dangerous driving. Uh, But that's like really low budget. Okay. Um, Yeah. I'm sorry to go on this weird tangent here. Just I have this this weird fantasy of one day instead of unveiling like Gran Turismo, uh, was it seven or eight? Was the the number we're on? Seven is next. Seven. Instead of like unveiling Gran Turismo seven as they did, like they're showing like here are the beauty shots of the car. Look at all the lighting and reflections, everything. It also just goes into a montage of crashing. It's like Mm -hmm. this is what's new in GT crashing in the attention the painstaking and attention to detail we did on all the crashes i'm just like all right here we go i don't know why it's just a weird yeah it's unfortunately it's one of these weird things with the licensing restrictions and stuff that you can't mess up our nice car it's not it's not not even necessarily that it's like this weird like glorifying you know unsafe or whatever you know it's uh, it's it's yeah it, it gets into like some weird weird stuff and and different manufacturers on different levels with that kind of thing and so that's why sometimes you'll see some cars not in certain games because like need for speed like uh i forget who it is maybe ferrari uh, they don't like to be associated with cop chases oh you mm. know and so there's just like a lot of weird little things yeah. that go like that and i also think it comes down to um when you talk about realism like people don't want you know to to have their cars realistically crash because then it like makes you know like like safety issues you know pop out or whatever you know what i'm saying is it's like if you're modeling things a certain way then it makes it look like their car's not safe i hear you but just let me crash, man. <laughs> it's like making um, fake cars, then. It's like... Well, that's, yeah, well, that's, that's what Burnout does. Yeah, I don't know. Just make it look, yeah, make some look as good as Grand Turismo and give me But it, it, doesn't, it doesn't do... You know, you, you uh, see the amount of money that goes into... I know. This is... Forza unveiling uh, the latest McLaren or whatever. Um, it's funny, though, because I was, I was, like, lamenting the loss of burnout to my wife. And she had a really good counterpoint where she was like, isn't there that another game that's like kind of similar to this that you were talking about that you really liked. And she was talking about Forza Horizon. And I was just like, I did not play enough Forza Horizon. What was the, what was the latest one? Three, four, Four? whatever it was. I'd like, I feel like every time this happens to me with Forza Horizon where like, it'll come out, I'll try it. I'll think it's great not play nearly as much of it as I want to and then just entirely forget about it. So this was a good reminder to like reinstall Forza Horizon on, on PC and, and give that another shake um, because there are just some crazy fun <laughs> events in that as well. And it's a gorgeous game uh, to kind of speak to your point about just visuals, Damiani. Um, but right now on this Hotake, we are going to speak about uh, the, the title of this otake is How Much is Too Much? Mm. And I guess what I want to talk about, so there was a game that we mentioned this on the podcast called Crucible, um, where it flopped so incredibly hard that it went back into closed beta. <laughs> and uh, what I want to focus on with Crucible specifically is uh, where, where it's being described as like this... This hero shooter with MOBA elements. And I think, I, I don't want to speak for the panel, but when I hear something like that, I just kind of like 
immediately want to go to sleep. <laughs> um, where, where, where something sometimes, and I'm not trying to like pick on Crucible specifically, but I sometimes I just like anytime, if any of you were to ever put like a new battle royale in Slack, it would just take a lot of energy for me to care. Right. And I was thinking about like, is that fair? Uh, you know, I, I think on some level, you have to kind of pay attention to to what is happening and oversaturation and a lack of new ideas. I think those are all valuable critiques, but I wonder if sometimes that can manifest itself in an unfair way where, you know, you're you're not really giving the game a fair shake just because you're so burnt out of its genre or buzzwords or whatever it is. Um, and I, I wonder if that is a problem within the industry where we're letting you know baseline descriptions kind of influence coverage or just what we're playing in general too much um yeah i think like battle royale is an interesting one because you know people are already you know they're sick of it they don't want to hear about another one you know uh hyperscape uh was uh, revealed this week and jones previewed that and it's got some different things going on and how it's set up um they're going to be doing a lot of Twitch integration. I think they even called it something like the first battle royale exclusively made for Twitch or something along those lines. Uh, but it's uh, it's funny because at the same time, as a genre, there really aren't that many battle royale games. It's just that I think that they're so similar that you know people see one and like, well, I already know what that is. Right. You know, and, and well, so like the rhythm of it is like people, I, I think people are skeptical that anything is more than just kind of like almost like a superficial twist. Um, I think you may be right in comparison to other genres that have been around much longer, but I think the issue is not necessarily the total number of games in the genre, but how close together those games have been released. Um, that is the issue. Yeah, that... I wonder what that feeling is like when you when you're working really hard in a game, and because we see this happen in movies. There have been several prominent examples of movies, like when Armageddon and uh, the 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 other asteroid movie came out. I don't know, for Deep Impact. Deep Impact yeah. yeah, like these always happen, like competing style disaster. Similar movies come out because studios are racing to do that. I wonder how much that actually exists here. If they actually are cognizant, oh, another studio is going to release a similar type of game that that month or within a month of that. And then like, yeah, I think for whatever better or worse, when it comes to MOBAs, when it comes to hero shooters, when it comes to a certain, certain genres of game, when too many of a certain genre comes out within a certain window, I think, I mean, every genre, any genre that has too many comes out, it's not, it comes out in, in too small of a time is not going to be good. But I think it more significantly impacts for whatever reason, MOBAs, hero shooters, MMOs, like those types of games has something about them. People are like, no, I, I think it's a combination of like time investment required for those games. Um, like the competitive nature of some of them. Like you, you like again, with time investment, you've got to play these a lot to get enough out of them. And they're like, they're potentially time sync. So it's like, I only want to play one of these. I don't want to play a lot of these. And for a lot of people, they're already hooked on one of the existing ones. So I, I think, 
this matters a lot when it comes to a new entry, the passing the eye test. Like it has to look different and immediately and convey that idea immediately. So it's like, oh, this is different. This is doing like, I think mm -hmm. Apex Legends was the one that did that. It, it was like, hey, we're doing something a little bit different here. Look at this. Oh, and everyone was like, oh yes, I get it immediately. This was going on. It worked for them. If you don't have that going for you and you look too similar, I think you are just fighting this this uphill battle you're probably not gonna win i mean maybe twitch integrations like that is a huge thing we can't how do we show that in a trailer yeah we it, it's not gonna really light the world on fire but maybe that's it so but just know you have that you have that you have that going against you from the from the start and having more of your competitors coming out at the same time that's only gonna exacerbate the problem it's it's funny that you bring up apex and it passing the eye test and while i i think there's there's some truth to that. It's interesting to go and, and read about why they released Apex the way that it did, where they sort of just like announced it and it was out, where they're like, we couldn't give people any like lead time because if it was like, hey, here's this new Battle Royale game from EA, people would have just immediately written it off. And I think that's what I'm I'm trying to get into here, where mm. okay. I, I think like in like in retrospect, it's easy to be like, oh, Apex, and it does it does so many smart things, um, and it is a very good game. But I just think uh, I wonder if other games don't really get that chance because like you do a trailer and it's like, here's this new hero shooter, and it's like, no, I don't want a new hero shooter, <laughs> you know. Um, and and if that's fair, and is. Is that sense of burnout evenly applied, right? Where, like, I think even within Easy Allies, right, we we are we we enjoy RPGs and and some of us like especially JRPGs, and so you know I think every time a new one comes out, it's not like oh here we go again. Um, and so I, I guess is there is there bias on our part in a way that that can that that is affecting the way that we view games that we need to be more aware of. I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, within Easy Allies, I think that exists, but I, I, I think it's hard for people who aren't already rooted, in, like deeply invested in some of these genres. And maybe, like, this, mm. I guess this is sort of the point I was trying to really reach the conclusion to, and what I was saying before is that it's hard to get outsiders into some of this stuff. And some genres have a sure. harder, like there's a taller order for them to, to get you invested. And as you said, yeah, like I think for better or worse, just dropping a trailer for a new MOBA for a new hero shooter. It's not going to, I think get the same fair valuation. that say a new trailer for a random square, like project Athea dropped out of nowhere i mean people had like like oh square Enix, it's pedigree and stuff you know that that does matter and stuff i mean sorry that does matter to the uh to the perception of what you're being shown and thinking it's like another it's a jrpg but square enix and its pedigree will elevate that to generating sure. excitement people will look at that and even like uh the the what was the babble one the platinum games people are still wondering where that is it, it's just right uh, that that's just how it works with that for whatever reason. Whereas the the uh, someone announces a new another new MOBA tomorrow, and it's from someone we're not really that familiar with, and they put out even if it's a nice looking trailer, I think a lot of people are just going to be dismissive about it. And it, it, so there definitely is a bias there, but I think it's also a byproduct of 
it, it's hard. Some games and genres we've been so used to, we, 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 we've grown up with them. We're so, we know the names, we know the players. And when it comes to newer genres and it comes to newer studios, it gets a little bit more difficult to, but uh, people don't always keep up on the information about them. They're not always like, following them and they don't right. understand like oh this the, the, we don't know the story of this developer they're newcomer and they're trying to make their mark with this game in a genre that's already got big players in it and it's it's really i guess i imagine it's gonna be really frustrating on their part because you want more competition you want more studios to release games in the genre because it pushes people to be more innovative when that fo- right. when it goes to the wayside you only let what a few studios have dominance you get that kind of stagnation that we, I mean, even we talked about, I mentioned Square Enix, they were accused of that in like the mid to late 2000s, that they were not pushing the boundaries enough with their games, that they got too complacent. So everyone could fall into that pit. But yeah, it's kind of tough to wrap my head around this, but I guess it's like what I'm trying to get at. But I right. still think there, from what I've just seen anecdotally, I think there is a bit of a bias uh, in the larger mainstream view of MOBAs and hero shooters, MMOs, any game that has... Uh, some kind of like competitive multiplayer angle and like online play. And it has a heavy time, like a a large time investment. Well, you mentioned uh, like it's hard getting strangers to, to, to pay attention to your thing. And I, it's, it's funny because that kind of brings up the idea of free to play. And I think there was a time where being free to play, of a certain type of game, maybe outside of the mobile space, had a had a novelty to it, where it's like, well, I wouldn't have checked this out, but it is free. Whereas now, I feel like that's almost turned against it, where there are so many free to play options um, that you can invest so much time in that that really doesn't make you stand out in any way either. Yet, in a genre that is known for being free to play, I think if you charge money for it, that also works against you because there are other free options, and so it kind of seems like this weird lose-lose situation hmm. uh in a way yeah i that, that i mean that's a shitty situation when you think about it though i mean you're absolutely right, right. it's like you're damned if you do damned if you don't and yeah tricks only work so like for so their potency wears off eventually like even if someone comes up with something new mm-hmm. tomorrow new genre and has a new gimmick to it eventually it'll become played out because everyone rushes to be the next one of those and then that's why it's oversaturated which i think is what happen with these genres with, with, with what we've been talking about um but yeah this at, at the same time i think it's like the hardest question to have an answer to because otherwise you'd probably be rich and you'd be working for one of these right. companies yeah <laughs> it's because what let's what, fight it what, on what, what is what is the oh shit everyone pay attention to this this is a big deal formula like what do you do do you do something mm-hmm. like bonkers crazy i mean I th- feel like even Fortnite has to keep doing this. As popular as they are, they keep trying to like, we're putting concerts in our in our game. Come watch a concert. Come yeah. watch Star Wars. Like few clips. JJ Abrams is going to be in Fortnite. Yeah. Christopher Nolan films. Come watch them. Like they're doing stuff like that because I think it's the fight. It's like the it, it's a, like a struggle to be on top of the mountaintop. Like everyone, like the the rat race almost here, where everyone's like, who gets who gets who gets it who gets it we got it because hey we, we have the most resources we can get the most people just do crazy things and i feel like sadly the answer is a lot of times is money do you have enough money oh, yeah to pull off something this big to pull off something that grabs enough attention and the worst feeling is i don't you can get the biggest name or create the biggest type of event I always worry about the retention afterwards. It's a big event. Everyone talks about it. It's all over social media. It gets a lot of uh, engagement and stuff like all those metrics that marketing people love to use. 
But at the end of the day, it's retention. It's like and new customers. How many did you get from that? And I'm always very hesitant. I'd be terrified to work in those departments because, man, if those numbers don't go up after that, it's like, like we kind of deal with it a little bit, I think, with Patreon. Like when mm-hmm. we're trying to do things like it, we, we need more patrons and stuff like that because, you know, we would like to grow. It's not quite the same level, but it's kind of like that same mentality, I think. Great. Uh, yeah. Well, what's funny is, you know, bringing up money is something with Fortnite is it's, it's almost, you know, I mean, it literally is like a concert or a movie experience, but it's, it's sort of like that, you know, that thing with like selling merch on the side. Right. So it's like, you don't only get, you know, people showing up for the concert, but then you're selling the hats for whoever the artist is and the t-shirts and things like that, that go along with it, or, you know, the, the star Wars lightsabers. And, and so it, it is interesting because it's like, yeah, that does like, directly result in money specifically for a free-to-play game and i think that might be part of the difficulty of breaking into this is because people have invested a lot more than they might on like a single player game uh in some of these competitive games uh just over time they've gotten all this kit and all this gear and all these things that they're attached to um as well as just really knowing the ins and outs of how to play that game and how different things interact with each other and all of that. And so you're really, you know, you're, you're, you're competing against that establishment, similar to like all the MMOs that have like tried to topple wow. And, you know, no matter how much wow kind of wanes, people are still going to generally play wow over playing something else. Hmm. Uh, it's, it's funny that comparison that you made to music because you hear musicians say like, we don't make any money off of making an album. We make all of our money by, by like going on tour and selling tickets and, and, uh, merchandise. And I think if you kind of apply that to games, that can be true as well, where like, I do think quality still matters. Right. And if you can you can make a good game that strikes in a certain way that can be a launching pad for you and your success. But I don't necessarily think that like, that's the only factor either. Like I think just because you make a game that has like good multiplayer shooting that technically feels good, that's not necessarily enough. And I think especially when you apply that to like free to play stuff, it's almost like how you keep people on the hook is just as important as like your game design right. or, or, you know, how, how sharp your shooting feels or whatever it is, where like the way that you engage them or the way that you do daily challenges or the way even like cosmetics look kind of feel like they have maybe equal or even sometimes greater weight. Right. Well, Apex has uh, struggled with that, right? When they were first yeah. starting out and Destiny has struggled right. with that. And the, you know, they keep right. trying new approaches yeah. and now they're talking about vaulting old content because you know we can't just keep all this content available and keep it all high quality so let's cycle out some of the stuff people are not playing anymore so we don't have to troubleshoot a million bugs every time there's a new release and just focus on putting out new stuff and then bringing back some of the old stuff when it can be made into an event of some kind so it can have some significance rather than just you know, sitting around for the, you know, 0.5% of people that might be interested right now. Right. I, I really feel like a game like Deep Rock Galactic is very relevant in this conversation mm-hmm. um, because that's gotten, you know, a fair bit of buzz and rightfully so because it's an awesome game. But 
if you break that game down, it is clearly taking a lot of things that have been kind of done to death are very popular where, where, you know, you do have the randomized levels. Um, you do kind of have the class based teamwork aspect. Uh, you've certainly got the Minecraft kind of sensation with the digging uh, and the survival aspect. Um, and you have cosmetics that you unlock and like skill trees that you go through. So you have this like thing to constantly chase after. Um, but it is the way in which it combines all of those things and gives it a very distinct style where you're these dwarves who can go to the bar and throw down on a mug of, of, of beer and dance while you're like, you know, superior is, is shouting at you that makes it feel entirely distinct. Like even if you can break down every element of that game, um, and say, well, it's taking from this, the way in which it combines all of those things makes it stand out. And I think, I just want to see more of that where it's like, even if you have the impulse to make a battle royale, right? Like, why do you have to do like this 100 person, you're in this arena thing, like kind of take that concept of survival or competing with each other and just apply it in a different way. You know, don't, I I think, I don't know. I think the issue is people take their inspirations too literally um, and I think even just like the slightest creativity can go, uh, an extremely wrong way. Um, not to, not to bring up Borderlands again, but I think that's the thing with Borderlands, right? Where it, it was that kind of novel at the time merger of, of RPG mechanics and first person shooter mechanics that just exploded. And it's like, neither of those things is very unique on their own, but the way in which it put them together, uh, really was a monstrous success. So, yeah. Uh, anything else we, we want to say or about, you know, like coverage biases or like getting burnt out on a certain genre or anything like that? Any closing thoughts? No? Okay. Like beyond saying, stating the obvious, you know. Sure. <laughs> uh, well, let's get into some wonderful emails then. Um, our first email comes in from Rice Pudding. Where does Naughty Dog go from here? Hey, allies, with The Last of Us Part 2 officially being released into the world, I was wondering what you guys think Naughty Dog will do next. Of course, their next game probably won't come out for another four to five years, but I can't help but speculate what their next project is going to be. Should they stick to their current third-person shooter narrative-driven formula, or should they try shaking things up a bit by exploring new genres? Will they stick to making realistic games, or will they return to a fantastical world like the one seen in Jack and Daxter? While I personally love Uncharted and The Last of Us as franchises, I can't help but feel like Naughty Dog might need to take a bit of a break and try something different for a while i'd love to hear what you guys think they'll do next yeah uh cart racer i don't know (laughs) they've done that before uh but yeah i i really it was funny because when i was uh playing sly that was one of the things that struck me that's like oh yeah like sucker punch and naughty dog have had the same kind of arc of starting with like super fun cartoony things and then getting kind of in the more like comic book and adventure kind of half and half sort of serious but jovial to like getting like really dark and bloody and gruesome so like all right let's let's dial dial it back to to something else and and just you know especially with all of the uh the deep dives uh if you can call them that on twitter from all of the different developers at naughty dog 
about you know how much effort they put into things like whistles and um, glass breaking and all of these very you know little things. It, it would be really interesting to see that applied uh, to something that was you know more cartoonish. You know, it's like we've got the Ratchet and Clank coming, uh, but we don't have really a lot else, and we haven't seen a lot in the way of new IP. Uh, go in that direction. Yeah, I'm on the... So as someone who has not played The Last of Us 2, but has played The Last of Us and the four Uncharted games, uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I think they... I think there'll be people who want to see them not completely give that up. But for me personally, I would like to see them try something different. I think they've proven their point with those with the last of us and with, with, uh, with uncharted at naughty dog. I, I think they've demonstrated their, their mastery of the craft with those types of games. And I like, I would, I would personally just like to see them do something different because I, I'm, I'm drawn more to, yeah, their earlier efforts. I'm definitely, I mean, I, I would still say I'm probably very impressed with crash team racing, uh, making a, a cart game that just, completely subverted what everyone else was doing. It was like, Hey, no, Mm. this car racing can be something else. It it can be this. And I, 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 that's, that's for car racing. They can do that with a cart racer. It's like, what can you do with another genre? In fact, I almost view them a little bit. Like their art could be like retro studios where they started with Metroid prime, making this like trilogy of these renowned first person shooter style games. And then all of a sudden shifted gears and made these like 2d platformers and excelled at both of them. And uh, I would love to see, like, just like Retro, I mean, I know they're working on Metro Prime 4. I'd love to see them maybe someday get a chance. I think that's why some people like me get so excited at the p- potential of them, a new project, Star Fox Race or whatever the heck the rumors have always said. I think that's what right. I would like to see with Naughty Dog is that, hey, I, I, we, I've gotten my fill of these realistic third-person shooters with these very story-driven linear stories, narratives that take on much darker tones and themes. I could go for something a little bit more lighter and a, like, hey, maybe a platformer. You know, make me a like a, a a 3D platformer, Naughty Dog. I'd love to see that. I think talented studios will still excel in other genres um, as long as they have the right talent around them uh, and the right mindset. I think there's these types of studios will excel whatever they do. I think what's interesting in Naughty Dog's case in particular is kind of like. Thinking about the level of praise that Uncharted 2 got and then like Last of Us and then Uncharted 4, um, I, I can see why they would go down that direction because it really felt like they were kind of pushing ahead in a very specific style and really kind of at the front of the pack with that style. But what is interesting now is they have gotten backlash in the past, but I have not seen it at the level that Last of Us Part Two has received, where it's just been so much um, that if I were them, I think just kind of like as a as a creative catharsis, I would want to head in a completely different direction, just to kind of like clean the palette and 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 try something else. And so I, I wonder how they're feeling creatively as well. If they're like, no, we we we're still so attached to the, these characters in this world that we have to continue and we have to go in this direction or if they're kind of feeling burned out as well and maybe want to try a, a different project. I'm, I don't know. I'd love to talk to them. <laughs> yeah. the I mean, they still have a lot of their specialty has been like a narrative focus for, for a while now. And even if they don't want to give that up, 
and and let's say they still want to stay with like more of a like uh, realistic visuals. They don't want to go with a more cartoony style. I'd love to see them mm-hmm. explore different time periods, you know, different types yeah. of stories. Like I, 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 I don't want their next game to be another contemporary setting or near future mm-hmm. setting where it, it it's something I've like we're just familiar with. I'm like I don't care what type of characters you're putting in here. This feels too the familiar, and I don't care what kind of gameplay hook you're doing. As if it's also a third person shooter, can you try just just try and branch out a little bit? I'd like to see that. Yeah, sure. It'd be really cool to see them, particularly again with like all the stuff, all the things that they worked with to make Last of Us come about. You know, see them try something like a psychological horror game. You know, and that's something that could use the realism, could use some really strong writing use really strong character development, you know? Blood, I think Naughty Dog could make an excellent psychological horror game. I like that idea a lot. Yeah, and you could get way more creative with your your set designs and your cinematography Mm -hmm. and all of the lighting and all that stuff. Uh, Our next email comes in from Adrian. He says, uh, streamers play in wrong environments disservice to games. Hello, allies. With all the divisiveness surrounding The Last of Us 2 and the general divide between traditional review outlets and streamers, I think now is a good time to evaluate the stark contrast between the two professions and how each internalizes games in very different playing environments. I personally played through The Last of Us 2 with zero knowledge of spoilers or anyone's opinions. Whether my opinion falls on liking, hating, or being indifferent to the game is not part of the argument. The crucial factor to my opinion of the game is that I played it in a contained environment where all my attention could be placed on what the game was trying to achieve. After completing the game, I went on YouTube and saw a countless amount of hate. What bothered me was watching many clips and playthroughs of streamers playing the game while simultaneously trying to entertain their audience Mm. with jokes and meme reactions. I don't think I'll ever be able to trust the opinion of someone who has that ulterior motive as they are, quote, reviewing a game while also allowing other people's discussion to steer their opinion. I'm not wholly against streamers, but their method of live reviews slash impressions appears to be a disservice to any game. I feel that traditional outlets play a game with a goal of being able to relay information and their isolated opinion, whereas streamers playing a game on a live stream are playing to entertain a crowd and crack jokes with chat and co-streamers. The two disciplines eternalize games in vastly different ways. I would love to hear your thoughts. Oh yeah, <laughs> as someone who has played uh, games as the first time experience on a stream, I, I feel like you have to honestly you have to classify someone playing through a brand new game on stream for their first experience. It's more akin to reactions. I, 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 you're getting like knee jerk impressions. You're getting immediate reactions. It's more in that vein, and I don't expect you to get necessarily a lot of deep, meaningful content from. Or, or deep meaningful analysis from someone who's like playing it right away. Like for, I feel like there needs to be some time to process and digest, which is why I do like when sometimes when streamers at the very end of their playthrough do take a minute and like sit back, they process it and they're like, all right, let me share my like final thoughts. Those seem to be more in line with uh, if you're looking for more of a traditional style review or more well thought out type of editorialized piece, that seems to be more where you find like that scratches that itch Whereas I think they're just going for two different things. And I think people just pass it off as like, oh, I watched so-and-so stream and people just throw around the river. Oh, it's a review. They were like live reviewing it and stuff. And it's like, I, I mean, I guess there's some value to it, but at the same thing, I think they're two different things. I think they're going for two separate types of analysis and it's really hard 
I think it's it's way too common to throw both around. And I'm glad that yeah, the person who wrote in about this does see the difference between us because I don't think they're the same thing. I don't think they should be treated because a review is written in isolation. Pretty uh, should be written in isolation. You aren't consulting other people. You aren't asking chat who might be further than you. Hey, uh, I'm struggling on this part or something. Like, you can't do that. Like it's it's more mm-hmm. of a community process. It's a it's like a, it's a shared experience when you're doing it on stream. It's not solely your experience anymore. And I think. That now influences some of your impressions, your media impressions, at least of the game. Uh, whereas you're reviewing a game, you might get frustrated at a part. You might be, oh crap, at this part. But when you're sitting down and you put like go to the keyboard or writing on a pen, whatever you're doing, you're like, let me take a moment and really analyze that part. You know, was it me not really understanding the mechanic? Did later on did it become more clear? Like you have that moment of reflection. I just don't think you get that with streaming, and I think that is the biggest difference and why they're always going to be different things and why I always will always treat them differently as such. Yeah, man, I uh, I totally see where you're coming from, Damiani, and I, I do see where this email is coming from, and even from my own experiences, I, I feel like I enjoy games in a different way when I'm streaming. Like, there there are positives. Like, it feels like more of a community, and there's there is something that I think can add to a game where you sort of have this audience where you can both ask questions and learn from each other. I think they can be very good. But uh, but I do also agree that sometimes with streaming or when you're watching somebody, it does feel like what this what this email is implying where it's like they're letting opinions influence them too much or are trying to you know, entertain at the the expense of of playing the game. I I do see where it's coming from, but I think it's probably unfair to generalize here and something that is kind of very good about uh, our current like landscape of, of gaming coverage is there are a zillion streamers. I think maybe what you're focusing on are probably like the absolute biggest names and the most popular. And I think there's certainly a conversation to be had there, but what's nice about streaming is especially when a game just comes out uh, you have like, hundreds of options. And so, you know, maybe the top three streamers aren't doing it for you. It might be wise to like find somebody that's smaller, that's not getting as much attention and maybe interact with them and have a very different experience than you would if somebody is getting like 10,000 viewers. Um, And from an audience perspective, I definitely, there are so many games that I wouldn't have even looked at had I not had the benefit of being able to watch a stream and have somebody expose it to me and and have it look so entertaining um, just on the stream. And so it, it is definitely a double-edged sword. And I do think uh, you both bring up good points, but I, I don't want to overgeneralize, I guess. Yeah, neither... And I don't think either one, no one, I'm not saying either one is better than the other. They just serve two different functions, I think. And mm-hmm. yeah, that, that's a very good point to bring up, Ben, your point about that there's, there are more people who get the ability to share their experience through streaming, whereas more right. traditional reviews are a little bit more gated because it take, it's production value. It takes more effort to produce those. I, get, I mean, this is going to be debated. I mean, streaming takes effort as well. So I don't want to like... Right. trivialize streaming but 
there is a different difference between the mentality of making a produced YouTube video versus streaming. Um, but uh, either one, though, you technically can do either of now. So it provides more voices out there, which is a good thing. And yeah, if you don't agree with like someone else, you can always change the channel on Twitch to try something mm -hmm. else out. The other thing is some people don't necessarily like to be informed by other people's opinions. They want to just like right. watch raw stuff. And the best way is I'm going to watch a bunch of streams. I'll even like not me personally. Some people just mute them and be like, I'm getting a good slice of the game here, whether it's they're playing from the start, the later on, I get to see how it works because publishers don't always put out uh, enough footage for people to make that decision based on that. So it provides even mm -hmm. more ways for people to digest the media and form an opinion in the way they want to. So it's just more options, which is, a, which is definitely a good thing. But yeah, they just serve two different functions, I think, and both are equally as valuable. Hmm. Um. Yeah, I, I guess to me, it's just a matter of, you know, it, it and it can, I think, vary by genre too. something that's a little bit more slower paced that you can take in a beat at a time, uh, like a, you know, like a turn based RPG uh, might be easier to uh, to deal with in that setting. But it is I think it is hard when you are multitasking, you know, and you're 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 dealing with technical issues and the stream quality and you're dealing with okay, what's happening in chat and what is chat telling me? And then you're dealing with, you know, a game where like you're playing in real time and you're trying to absorb, you know, audio cues and pop-up messages and, you know, character developments and all of these things. And I think that sometimes certain aspects of a game, they just sort of get lost in all of that noise yeah. uh, mm -hmm. when you aren't able to just shut everything else out and, just let the game itself sink in. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's very well said. And it's it's also this other weird dynamic where sometimes people aren't watching a stream because they care about the game. They're just watching a stream because, you know, they might find the personality yeah. entertaining or they have a history with them. And it's like, you'll get into conversations that have absolutely nothing to do with the game. And so there's that whole yeah. element as well. But yeah, that's um, very true, man. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, our last email comes in from Jared. He says, hello, allies. With the recent announcement of Pokemon Unite, I was thinking about how my desire for Pokemon content has been on a downward spiral for several years now. The recent release of Sword and Shield was extremely disappointing for me to me for a variety of reasons. I've been frustrated by a lot of fans and even reviewers who I feel give this series way too much slack for obvious shortcomings in the game design, and I fear the series will never change. Alas, it seems the Pokemon games just aren't for me anymore. This has been hard to come to terms with as I've played most of the mainline games, been a fan of the series for 20 years, and now I have a seven-year-old who enjoys Pokemon. My question is, what is a franchise that has gone in a direction you don't agree with and has forced you to make peace with the fact that it's just not for you anymore? I'd be curious to get your own examples, and has that franchise done anything to give you hope in recent years of a potential turnaround? The hmm. one that I have that immediately comes to mind is uh, like Guitar Hero, hmm. where uh especially guitar hero one through three like i was obsessed with loved it and then it was just too much guitar hero um and now there's none at all <laughs> and so uh it, it's frustrating because i definitely got burned out and cared less but it i i also don't want to see it completely go away either um but it doesn't seem like it's something that will come back anytime soon. <laughs> um, 
to that point, though, to the point of Jared, I think the best medicine is to just take a step back for a while. Like, new Pokemon content is happening constantly. And so I don't think there's any fear of, of stepping away and having it be gone. And maybe in the future, there'll be something that resonates with you uh, or, or, or kind of like rekindles that flame. Um, like, I think the new Pokemon Snap could do that for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, the original Pokemon Snap is, is just such a delight that I'm, I'm hoping, you know, the next one can, can kind of do that for people all over again. Cause I know myself included, there are a lot of people that are very excited for it. Yeah. That, 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 what you just said there, Ben reminded me of how I felt about uh, my stance on final fantasy through like mm. the, the first, like roughly like 10 entries it's, times have changed since then, but they used to come out so frequently actually that I always yeah. felt that, Hey, they're trying something a little unique with each one. Each one has a unique gameplay hook or story hook or something different, new set of characters. And if this one's not for you, if you don't like the spell system they're doing in this one or the battle system option they're doing in this one, in a year or two, you're going to have another one and you can try again. So I always viewed it as like not every Final Fantasy entry is for everybody. There, but there is one or two for for somebody, for everyone to like at least. And I, I used to love that about that. But I think since then, though, it has, uh, for you know, better or worse in certain entries, it, it takes so long to come out anymore. You can't kind of point to that. But I used to love that about that because, you know, yeah. people, I used to, I didn't play 7 or 9 when they came out. I used to see people get so passionate about which one they love the most. And I used to, I used my contribution to any of those discussions to be like, well, Hey, if you didn't like seven, you know, then you got eight, which was like a different style of game. If you didn't like eight, then you got nine, which went back to like the older style. And it's like, you got these three drastically different entries in the span of like three ish years. And it's like, yeah, totally. I think one of those, someone found you know there's one for everyone in there and i like that even with the older entries it was like the same thing like one through six it's like everyone has a favorite in that that cluster and they came out in a relatively short time period about like eight eight nine or eight or nine years there and i i'm sure there are other series that do that as well where it's like if you don't like this one you can wait for another i understand pokemon's like pokemon does have new entries come out pretty frequently but at the same time i do understand how pokemon is a series that doesn't push to radically innovate um, because mm-hmm. the that's I don't think that's what they're going for with, the, with those games. Obviously, there's the business end of them. They sell extremely well. There really isn't a huge incentive for the Pokemon Company or Game Freak or Creatures Inc. to change up uh, anything to the like the, you know to mess with the formula too much because people love them. People love them for what they are. As many people that complain, I think about Pokemon not evolve like sorry, evolving, you know, not becoming like something other than what it is. There are just as many people I think who want it to stay what it is. And that's where you have to decide, like, if I've yeah. had enough of this, if I had my fill of this, it's painful because you love this and you want to see it maybe change. But at the end of the day, you aren't the creator of that. You aren't the one who makes a decision. And you have to understand that, like, there, there will be other things that come about that could probably satisfy what you're looking for. It's just you have to take that leap of faith and be like, I'm going to step away from this thing I love so much now because it's only making me sadder and sadder. And if I stay with it, it's this is not a good a good thing. But this new thing over here that I maybe I never looked at and give it a chance, it might provide what you're looking for. You just, I, I understand there isn't a similar Pokemon-style game out there that satisfies what a lot of people are looking for just yet. But who knows? People are might try. You know, just you just you need to. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think Pokemon is in a very weird situation where, like, 
yes, you still love it. There, there is still something there. Like it, 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 it's doing maybe enough to get people to continue to check it out, but it is a, it is a frustrating, like obvious lack of potential reached. Mm-hmm. And like, I think, I think a good comparison is the Monster Hunter series mm-hmm. where I don't think they needed to do a world to continue being successful uh, with its target audience. I think they could have just done, you know, relatively minor iterations, but they took an opportunity to do a giant evolution in the form of Monster Hunter World, and they had a huge success. Um, And I, I think... You know, it's not a one-to-one comparison. I totally understand that. And there are, there are nuances to get into between the two series. But I think people just desperately want that from Pokemon for it to really take that leap and push itself as hard as it possibly can um, to to have that moment where it, it, it can dramatically mix things up for fa- f- people who are already fans of the series as well as bringing in a whole new audience. Yeah. I know people want that, like, open world or breath of the wild style Pokemon and stuff. <laughs> it almost, it yeah. almost feels like yeah, you said, Ben, I, I don't want to get too much of the nuances of the difference two series, but it almost feels like Pokemon needs to have that moment where it doesn't do well outside of like maybe Japan. The thing is Pokemon yeah. does so well everywhere. It just sells That's so true. well. That's true. This, I think this is the yes. one nuance that matters is that it yeah. sells so well everywhere. There isn't a pushback. Whereas yeah. like Monster Hunter was freaking a beast in japan one of the best selling right. series but capcom couldn't break out in the west despite yeah. all their best efforts with the traditional formula and we got yeah, world, and we got world and it's like there was a push there there was a there was a need for that and i think until that happens if ever that's not, that will be the motivation for pokemon to change it's just something has to give at some point like maybe we get right. old enough and like the younger generations get they're like, this is not interesting. People like Pokemon. This is a mm-hmm. bad series. It's like, and we get so old, we can't buy, like we're all dying and stuff like, well, there isn't an older audience to buy Pokemon. <laughs> but that's the fascinating thing about Pokemon is, is it, is it is still yeah. extremely popular among a very yeah, young demographic as very well. True. So. Like what I was saying is like, that's actually not happening, but yeah. yeah <laughs> like yeah. who knows? What the, like, yeah. I, I, I just don't see a viable path to that other than a massive changing of the guard over there. I'm, I I I just don't, or maybe someone who's well respected that the one of the developers like loves approaches them and wants to. I, I think a spinoff is probably going to be the answer. There'll be a spinoff mm. someday that people love so much and say, "This should be. This should actually be the mainline Pokemon. This needs to be it." Sure. And. I'm just thinking of like total memes yeah. of like Pokemon souls. <laughs> Permadeath. <laughs> oh no. I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to take something significant like that's the point. And hmm. it, it's, it's, it's hard to imagine when it's going to happen, but you know, never say never, but I, I feel that I understand your position that it's frustrating to love something so much and it's not changing in the way you want it. And it doesn't seem like it's ever going to change. Yeah. Uh, Blood, are there any uh, series that that you've kind of reached a point where you're like, I just don't think this is for me anymore? Um, I don't know if I necessarily think they're not for me, but I don't like anything that starts getting onto like a yearly or bi-yearly track starts to just inherently get less exciting. (laughs) You know, like I, you know, think about like Call of Duty and Assassin's Creed and like even F1, right? Like F1 is something I'm probably going to be covering pretty soon, but I'm just like, didn't I 
just just <laughs> yes, one. Yes. Like, yeah we, we had that conversation on frame chat like just that was a year ago like <laughs> yeah you know, like it just yeah you know, and i think that's one of those things is like you know as dummy is saying like as you get older and time starts to feel like it goes by more quickly it's just like i i I'm, have all these other games that i want to play and i haven't even played the last one of these and now there's another one and so and then i think that kind of plays into it as well it's like well i can't catch up so do i jump in on this one do i go back to one that was like three years ago do i even have anything to go through and i think you know part of the particularly i think with assassin's creed you know part of it is that it's gotten so gigantic the other part of it is that you know it's become more of like a light rpg than a stealth game uh and then the other part is that there's no longer any sort of through line on that story yeah so if, if i don't have a through line you know then i don't know why i need to watch or i need to play this <laughs> rather than you know well maybe next year will be more interesting or whatever you know or or, or you know i'll get started but then i don't end up finishing it because well there's maybe i'm interested in this character but i don't really have anything to really pull it all together to really keep me invested blood you that is like in a way that is exactly how i feel about call of duty where like i would say once every couple of years i I don't know the exact amount of time because it's kind of all over the place but every once in a while i will get this bug where i'm like i just really miss call of duty and I, I I want it, and I think about all the time that I spent, especially in college, just being completely enamored with things like Modern Warfare One and World at War and Modern Warfare Two, and I'll just get the bug, and then I'll I'll play it. I may even review a game in the series, and then I'm like, okay, I'm good, and I have like just very little interest in like the next three entries because it doesn't feel like there are notable differences, and I can imagine for like people where like that is their series or their diehard fans, um, you know, it matters a lot to them. But from somebody who's not quite as invested, there's just not enough that changes or it feels too similar that like, I can't stay on that horse all the time, especially when you factor out the the DLC that happens with every single entry every year. Uh, it just definitely uh, gets to be too much. And I felt that way with Assassin's Creed too. Um, so, Blood, I think that was a really good point that you brought up. Uh, but that is going to do it for emails and for Framestrap. Thank you so much, uh, Blood and Damiani, for your wonderful, wonderful, wonderful insight. If you would like to send an email uh, to us, please go to askeasyallies at gmail.com. Shoot me a message over there, and uh, it might appear on the next episode. If you want to find out more about us, go to patreon.com slash easyallies, where you can, if you like what we're doing, please support us. Uh, we do depend on Patreon to keep things like this going. Um, and yeah, thank you so much for watching. Until next time.